Hello and welcome back to Mad Get Radio, episode number 18. We're back and we've got Tales of War. In the time since our last episode, there has been our own team event. There's been Siege of Strivelin, which happened a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we've also been down in mids. So we're, this episode's all going to be about uh, Paul and mine's experiences at those uh, tournaments and uh, basically all the shenanigans that went on. And as always, I am joined by the Abbot to my Costello. It's Paul. What's going on, guys? Where was good? Looking forward to listening to some tales of shit dice rolls and jammy luck. It's all bullshit, Paul. It's all bullshit. I can't complain. I had some good dice rolls at Siege. <laughs> it was actually, after day, after day one, I was like, hmm, that was actually all right. <laughs> I did actually have different dice. I don't know if you noticed. I didn't notice. Did you buy new dice just for Siege? I bought new dice. I bought the, the heavier, bigger dice. Okay. The loaded and dice, I already had some, so I was just using those, and it just was like, oh, look, I'm rolling averagely. This is amazing. This is a new experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Makes such a difference. This is going to be an old school episode, just the two of us. The format's going to be pretty straightforward. We thought, because we wanted to cover both tournaments, we thought we, we would just mash them together, because Paul played in one and I played in the other. So it means that we can cover all the same ground in the, in the one episode without kind of repeating the format two weeks in a row. And it also means that hopefully if we manage to get another episode out before Christmas, uh, we can do a new exciting topic, which we'll we'll maybe mention that towards the end. So yeah, we'll probably just kick off. So we had um, Siege of Strivelin, which was our team event, which was meant to be our team event. Yeah, supposed to be a team event. So Paul, what raised our blood pressures uh, before, (laughs) before the event itself? Yeah, so like basically anything that could go wrong did go wrong. So I think we were six teams scheduled to play. Uh, eight, teams. eight teams, yeah. Eight teams scheduled to play. Um, so within 24 hours, we had one team pull out due to sick children, and then we had two other players pull out due to sick selves. <laughs> so we were down five players. So we had to hastily rejig the format into a singles event. And unfortunately for Andrew, he had to kind of step down and not play. So that kind that of took us to an 18, 18 man event singles, but. The main thing for the event is the the kind of unique scenarios, and fortunately, that totally operates in either format, so we didn't really have to change very much. And one upside was we actually had like way more trophies and prizes to give away. Oh, the prizes! We had kind of planned for a team event, so that was good. It was, yeah, and like so, the team that pulled out was the the Aaron guys, Warriors of Westeros, uh, and that was just because sick children. So you. You can't really blame them for the kids getting no, sick. No, I know. It's a shame because like, we have events like maybe only two or three times a year, so yeah. that's really the only time we get to see the Iron Guys, so it was just a shame we never got to hang out with them yeah, for a couple absolutely. of days. Yeah, absolutely. And um, then the pullouts. So Simon wasn't feeling well, and Michael uh, came down with a really nasty lung infection. So yeah. both of which you can't really begrudge them for uh, yeah. not particularly wanting to play if they were falling board, apart. Board gamers aren't known for being particularly hardy souls. Slotting neck beers and cardigans <laughs> in our group. I mean, they're not the most robust. Oh, fuck. There is a contagion of cardigans in our gaming group, actually, that we maybe need to address yeah. at some point. I'm wearing a cardigan right now. I'm not ashamed to say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> there goes a listener. It's winter, man. It's cold. It is winter. Okay, you get away with that one. Uh, so, the event itself. So, obviously, we had to change the singles, but Actually, before we go any further, it's probably worth saying just a massive thank you to everyone that did play because nobody moaned, no one grudged, everyone got on board and just went and played in the, the exact way that 
Siege is always meant to be played, and that's just smash faced and have a laugh. Yeah, it was it was a really good turnout. Apart from the kind of suspiciously high number of VC lists, can't really complain. Uh, we <laughs> did have to talk about. <laughs> we did have uh, quite a lot of people come from down south, which was really good. And like like we said, it's one of the reasons we look forward to the events is it's another opportunity just to hang out. You only really get to see once or twice a year, so everyone went out for dinner, had some drinks, yep. had a good laugh in the evening. So can't complain. No, it was really good. And uh, a massive thank you to uh, the likes of Stephen Dornan, Gary Quirk, Alex Thomas that came up from uh, the Manchester area. And then we had the Durham guys come up as well. And then uh, Barry and Shane came up from Newcastle. So it's massively appreciated that the boys came up and made the effort to attend the event. And uh, everyone seems to have enjoyed themselves. So all that is really left to talk about is the games themselves. Yeah. So instead of giving kind of a broad generalization of all the games and things like that. What we thought was Paul can Paul played with his Warriors, so Paul can just run us through each of his uh, five games, and then we'll talk about my games at mids, all my five games, and then at the end we'll kind of talk about overall thoughts, thoughts about our lists, about the game, and probably most importantly where we think our respective books are at this moment in time, uh, with Paul playing Warriors and me playing VC. Um, that will be very much a tale of two very, very different books, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, so, why don't we just kick off? So, Paul, how about you remind our viewers about what your list was for Siege? A good idea, because I can remind myself. So, I think I said to you before the event that the list that I took, because obviously we both were involved in writing the scenarios, it was very much tailored to try and compete in all five rounds. Yeah. I hadn't really built it in terms... For all that it was originally a team tournament, I hadn't actually built it with particular matchups in mind. I figured that I would just write a, a fairly balanced list and just try and contest and either pick up points where I can or if there was a good matchup, just push for points and try and get a big win if I can get the secondary as well. So characters, I just had a Sorcerer General, Master with Evocation, on a Black Steed, Play Armor, Alchemist's Alloy and the Lucky Charm. So... Five spells, one up armor save, pretty cheap, 460 points, that's it. Yeah. Which basically leaves me like everything else, 4,000 points to spend on stuff that I actually want. So for core, I had two units of eight barb horsemen, full command, light lances, shields, and the banner discipline on both units. Obviously the general can bounce in between either of those. The banner just basically prevents them from running away. Most of the list doesn't care about panic tests, so it just kind of keeps them safe. Yeah and a couple of units of hounds for chaff. And then in special, 10 chosen, wrath, great weapons, musician, standard bearer. That's basically the hammer in the list. Then two units of four chosen knights with lust, banner, musician, and halberds. So that was actually the first time I think I'd played with lust, but I really liked it. So what lust does, it gives the unit strider, and it allows the unit to flee if you want, and then it gives you the feign flight rule as well, so you're uh, moving after rallying, and they rally on three dice as opposed to two. Oh, is that because of the armor? I didn't realize that. No, it's part of the the rule for lust. So the idea is that it's to kind of promote that MSU style of yeah. old that we've kind of lost. But um, it's really nice on the chosen knights, and given the scenarios, the striders really really good. Yeah. Two warrior chariots, and then six wretched ones. Okay. So the wretched ones are basically the anvil on the list. The chariots, they're two hundred and twenty points each. I think they're one of the best things in the book. Because <laughs> why not? 
because they're cheap, but they're res 5, 4 wounds, 3 up yeah. armor, decent impact hits. You're getting 4 strength, 5 attacks from the crew. They're cheap enough that you can throw them into things just to kind of chip away, but if you can combo charge them into something and they can actually do pretty good damage. They're just really versatile, and they're movement 8, so they're actually a bit faster than you think they are. Yeah. So that's the list. Pretty straightforward. Cool. So how were you feeling going into this? Well, as we've kind of said, we had a lot of dropouts. I wasn't anticipating on playing. And then within the last kind of day or two, there were rumbles and maybe a couple of people might not make it. So we had agreed that I would play this year since I didn't play last year. Yep. So despite checking all the lists and uh, formatting all the lists and shit, I hadn't really been thinking about uh, matchups or strategies for games. So I've kind of figured... I'm just going to do what I did last time. It's it's strife, which was a similar kind of situation. I hadn't really planned on playing, but I thought I'll just play aggressively. I'll try and play to the army strengths. I'll contest the scenarios where I can, and then even if I'm not winning on points, I'm not losing secondaries. Mm-hmm. So it should help to kind of offset any losses that way. Or if I'm winning slightly on points, and the three point swing takes me to like a fourteen six or. 15-5 or something like that, and then over the course of five games, that starts to add up. So, felt okay, I suppose. Not, yeah. I mean, part of that was ignorance. Like I said, I didn't really know the ins and outs of a lot of different lists. Um, there were a few armies that I hadn't played before that were going to be there, which was good, but from a matchup perspective, I don't know how I would have fared if I had ended up playing them, but I was looking forward to it. I was hoping to play people that I hadn't played before, and Thankfully, I've got a couple of games in against new people or people I've only played maybe once before. So I was pretty happy with the, the pairings from that perspective. Cool. Going into game one, um, we obviously knew the night before that I was going to be playing against Tim. Uh, Tim B. So actually, that seemed like, on paper at least, a pretty good matchup. Yeah. So game one was uh, Storm the Bridges. So the idea of this scenario is that the board is literally cut in two by a river. The river is uh, DTs for basically everything. So standard infantry and beasts take DT2. Large infantry, cavalry, uh, large cavalry, large beasts and constructs take DT1. Uh, and then gigantic units can move through freely. So the idea was that you've got these two bridges. They're the objective, essentially. So uh, whoever holds the most bridges at the end wins the scenario. We wanted to try and force people to take kind of either kind of really funky off-the-wall lists or quick balance lists. Uh, so we we always predict that we're going to see a lot of Strider banners essentially in this one, or stuff that can get across the water other than the bridges. Or on the flip side, uh, there's normally quite a lot of armies that just bring you know really solid combat units that just rush onto the bridge and just challenge anything to try and fight them harder. So yeah, like on paper, you play yeah. in Tim's Beast Herds in this scenario seems pretty perfect. So how did the game unfold? So just to kind of give people a bit of context, his list he basically had his general was an adept on druidism he had another master in shamanism beast chieftain BSB he had another beast chieftain with ambush and then in core he had a couple of big blocks of mongrel herds a smaller block of mongrel herd and then some mongrel raiders and then in special he had a razor tusk chariot and then three units of razor tusk herd, three briar beasts and three cyclops so Tim likes his chaff. He likes a lot of stuff on the table. He's very yeah. good at movement. So as I've said, on paper, in combat, I wasn't really worried. 
I figured a lot of his units should match up pretty well against my own. Uh, the only thing I was worried about was the amount of chaff in the individual units that he had and his ability to ambush. Like I say, Tim's very good at movement, so I figured that if I'm going to get fucked, that's where he's going to get me. Uh, luckily, like the the way the bridges work is that you can really only be attacked in the front or in the rear from either side. So you've got to imagine that the, the bridges have like these invisible walls that don't block line of sight for things like magic and shooting, but you can't actually charge or attack units in the flank on the bridge. So I figured that, well, in a straight-up fight, I should be fine. He's not really got anything that killy. So I dropped first turn. Basically put the Chosen Knights, because they had Lust and so they had Strider, in the centre between the two bridges. So the idea was they were just going to go across the water and not give a shit. Or the, the Foot Chosen block was going to go on one bridge uh, on my left, and the Wretched Ones were going to go on the other bridge on my right. Uh, the Barb Cav were just going to hang about in the back, and they were going to contest the bridges if I was going to push off the bridge, or they were just going to hang back, and I was just going to keep those points, and he wasn't going to get them. Mm-hmm. And it would keep the wizard safe. And the wizard was there was just to buff things on the bridge uh, for combat with the evocation spells. Yeah. Chariots just stayed on the flank just because he's got more units than me. If he wants to come across, then I need some way of keeping him in the river or basically giving him a deterrent to stop anything wanting to come over because realistically he's going to have to come into the river for a turn, take DTs and then come out the river yeah. with a the, with the small unit. So it gives me a lot of time. So the first couple of turns actually went pretty well. I think... Tim was a little bit confused as to what the Wretched Ones did. I don't know if he was more preoccupied with their ability to random move as opposed to how they fight in combat, but Mm. what he basically did was the majority of his units were in one corner. I don't think he really favoured the matchup particularly well himself, so he basically kept everything in one place, and then in the middle of the table he had two Cyclops with some Briar Beasts and one of his chariots... Uh, just to get some shots in, so they were positioned on a hill in the centre, which gave him pretty good line of sight. He did commit one of the mongrel herb blocks to one bridge. So I was like, that that suits me, I'm just going to pop the wretched ones in. And I think they did something like 28 wounds <laughs> in the first round of combat, which was to Tim's surprise. I think I rolled like three sixes. And then whatever else I needed to get to, like... I think I did, like, 27 hits, and I had the reroll to win spell up on them. <laughs> um, which wasn't good <laughs> for Tim. Melt the unit. <laughs> so, yeah, they did really well. I mean, he, I think he killed, like, half the unit back. Um, because he had some spells, and he had, like, the banner on them to give them, like, the extra attack. And he had the crown on the general, giving them the hatred and stuff, so... He had the plus I mean, one toughness... Uh, sorry, plus one strength banner, didn't he, that he popped... Yeah. Because yeah, I was trying yeah. to work out how he killed so many. Yeah, he did a fair number of wounds back. I mean, they've got a five-up save, the Wretched Ones. So they've got, they do have some level of protection, yeah. but um, it's not amazing. So I think basically what happened there was he... It was just mutual destruction. And I think over the course of a couple of turns of combat, he actually killed the unit and had like four guys left. I was kind of surprised. I thought after the first round, I should kill the rest or at least win in combat, and hopefully they'll break because they shouldn't be steadfast anymore. Yeah. But um, I obviously didn't get the same number of grinds second round, and then they just they just went. So he ended up getting... Um, the four guys that were left ended up charging off the bridge, and they got a charge off into the rear of a barb cav unit 
that had turned round to deal with a totemic summon. Okay. In the end, it didn't matter because they bounced. The, the, the guys just whacked them back. Um, again, Tim didn't realise the horses are strength four, which he wasn't happy about either. <laughs> so they were like winding him on threes. So they bounced. It didn't. I mean, it didn't really do anything to the unit, but it just gave him that turn to free up the bridge, and he started moving across like other units. Yep. And in my mind, that on that side of the bridge, I basically had the wretched ones, a barb cab unit, and one chariot. So once the wretched ones went, that flank was basically lost. Okay. So meanwhile, in the centre, the chosen knights had moved up into the river, um, and then they charged out turn two. And, and he basically positioned two pieces of chaff in front of them. I think they were Briar Beasts or uh, Razor Tusk Herd, one of the two. Uh, they blitzed through them. Um, one got an overrun into one of the Cyclopses that were he had positioned on the hill in the centre. Mm-hmm. And the other one had gone for a similar overrun but didn't make it into okay. the, the second Cyclops. So on his turn, it gave him the counter charge with the second Cyclops into the flank of the Chosen, and then his Razor Tusk Chariot and another Razor Tusk Herd into the other flank, which wasn't great. Fortunately, he didn't really do very many wounds. I think he killed one knight, but that was after I had swung. Right. Because uh, I was going at Agility 6. So over a couple of turns, they actually held, but they ended up eventually breaking, I think, um, and got chased down. I was a little bit disappointed. I, I've... I thought they, they should have killed one Cyclops, because the Cyclopses are only res 5, right? Yeah. So, they're strength not... 6, res 5. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah, so that was kind of why I was thinking, well, even if three guys are in combat, that's 9 attacks plus 6 from the mounts, yeah. all at strength 5. They've got, a, I think he, he was just making enough Aegis saves to keep them alive. Yeah, because he's still got, got a 5 up, yeah, 5 up Aegis. Yeah, probably. so, um, he ended up getting those points. And the second chosen knight, because they they, they failed the overrun, they didn't have the time to get into combat, so I eventually just had to keep that unit alive. Because I'd lost one flank. The chosen were on the other bridge, and I didn't really want to commit them, which, in hindsight, what I should have done would just push them up, even after him killing that chosen knight unit, because they had held the first round of combat. I would have had a charge on my next turn, but I was, at that point, thinking, well, he's going to get the other bridge. If I come off the bridge and I lose that unit, that's the game. Yeah. So I figured I'll keep the points of the unit because they're like 800 odd points and I'll keep the bridge and then it's damage control. Um, so that's basically what happened. Unfortunately, when he had killed the Chosen Knights, the I think he reformed, which on his subsequent turn gave him a charge across the river into the flank of the Barb Cav unit that had my general in it. So that was again a huge point. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good. So what started off as a really promising game ended up being like a a 16 forward to Tim. With the objective. Without the objective. So he held the bridge and I had the other bridge. Because he basically hell. moved them all third unit onto the other bridge. So in the end, like I don't really know how I lost the game. It was just like in hindsight I'm saying like, oh I should have moved that unit and I should have did this, but I don't know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. I think realistically two units of chosen knights in the centre should have basically won the centre because everything else he was keeping out of the way so they had no support and the wretched ones even if I had one wretched one alive yeah, I can just block that bridge I can just send his random movement in at the side and he can bounce off and he can live there and it's an unbreakable roadblock so he's got to kill it which again gives me time to move stuff over there if I want Yeah, he had some bad dice rolls in the early game saying that he did swarm of insect off both chariots 
That's, one uh, cast, one chariot went, and the next round, the second cast. Uh, that second seems unlikely. <laughs> it seems unlikely, but I mean, it's a swarm of insects. I mean, it's that's what that spell does. It's fucking bananas. Like, yeah. Um, if you force someone to make enough armor saves, especially me, I will fail. Them. <laughs> they've got a three-up armor, so he's still looking for sixes. Got I mean, three-up armor. They've got a three-up armor, yeah. And you've. Yeah. What? Well, it's like what is it? Five d six hits. Yeah. And then you're looking for sixes to wound. Yeah, and then you just failed three ups. I just failed three ups. Holy I think he had shit. done one wound to one chariot, so it was maybe on three wounds, but the other one was like four wounds and just pfft, evaporated. That's pretty bananas. Yeah, so that was a bit bullshit. But um, it was a good game. Like, I was making him sweat. I was enjoying that part of it. <laughs> there was a lot of arms being thrown in the air and, like,. Yeah, there was. <laughs> you know, a lot of sarcastic, oh, of course they're strength four. Oh, why wouldn't they be strength four? Uh, a lot of that going on. Which, I mean, that, that won me the game. Just in principle, I was like, that's fine. I'm happy. <laughs> See, this is the best thing about being a TO and not playing. You get to, like, watch people while they play. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I came over. To, I was kind of keeping an eye on your game. And then, I think it was, like, the end of tur- your turn three. And the Chosen had just go over the, the bridge and... He had the two units chosen, basically, just going to munch through all these units, which he'd kind of positioned in this corner, which meant that they couldn't really get out. But I went over, and I said to Ed, uh, Paul's just about to 20. Tim, brace yourself. <laughs> and then I kind of walked around looking I'm at the other games. <laughs> and then I came back, and um, somehow Tim was winning the game, and I wasn't really sure what was happening. So I think this is just another example of Tim winning games that I don't understand how he did it. Fundamentally, when you look at his bricks, so he's got like two bricks of 45 guys, right? Yeah. Look at what they cost. They're like 400 points. Oh, yeah. They're, like, I don't even understand how that one brick took out the the wretched ones. It, it's, I think they had spells up. That's the only thing I can think of, because they're even, three, right? Yeah, Base. but like, you can't fight the horde because he was on the bridge. Banner, so he's wounded on fives. Yeah, but even if it, when he's on the bridge, so he's fighting in three ranks, so he's if he's got a champion, that's 16 attacks. So hitting on four... No, it'll be hitting on threes, right? Because you've sh- your dog shit weapon skill. Yeah, we're hitting on threes for sure. Yeah, so hitting on threes, we're rolling. So say most of them hit. Yeah. So say, I don't know, he maybe does like 10 wounds, something like that. So yeah. So you, you save a third, so two... So he's, he's, I mean, so that's... Has, that's you're, at that point, you're talking about two to three models. Depending on how well he rolls, yeah. Like spell. I think he had. I want to say he had some sort of. I mean, he had shamanism and druidism. I think he had like plus one strength up from shamanism. So okay. They would, they would have been wounded on fours. How did he um, not break when you did the twenty-eight wounds? He was still steadfast. So they're what leadership six mongrels. Well, his general and BSB were in range. Oh, were they? Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he he basically edged forward enough, I think, to maintain that. So, but this is it. So it's like, I mean, the wretched ones are amazing against the right thing. But they're oh, 600, yeah. they're, they're yeah. over 600 points. Yeah. That's more than, so I, I played Danny in the last game and he had a unit of like 24 Dread Dodgers. They're cheaper. Are they really? Jeez. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it, it's just a case of the matchup, right? I mean, that amount of wins is insane against like feral orcs that cost the world. Yeah. But, Mongrel herd are cheap enough that they're disposable enough that so I think that's effectively why I lost the game on points was just that the things I was killing just weren't enough points as soon as you kill a unit of chosen knights well that's over 600 points I've just lost the 
wretched ones that's another 600 points yeah the units individually are very good but they're they're just that expensive that you can't really afford to lose any of them yeah you get punished doubly for every mistake you make essentially yeah, yeah. losing my general huge the problem with putting the sorcerer in that unit is they can't flee because the sorcerer is fearless the unit isn't uh, uh right okay so ideally that would be one of the bonuses of putting them in that unit right is they normally if he's hanging out with warriors warriors are fearless you know this they can't flee they're stuck yeah that's why a lot of people don't put their sorcerer in a chosen uh, warrior block but he he's fearless unto himself so it doesn't really matter where he is it's still a problem so i realized that after he declared the charge i was like shit he can't actually flee prior is that, is that definitely the case is it not one of these ones where it's more than half of the unit have to be fearless in my mind it wouldn't make sense i that's my interpretation of the rule okay um but also, to me, it wouldn't make sense that if one guy's fearless and doesn't run, or run away, if he's part of the unit, then the whole unit can't run away. Kind of similar to why like a unit gets like shared leadership and stuff. Like It's got to be one rule for all, almost. I could be wrong, in which case I would have fled. I know I've not lost my general. Okay, I'm going to look uh, that up while you're talking about your next look that up. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Just to um, rub that salt in the wind, you know. Yeah, okay. No, that's good to know, though. Um, that came up a few times, uh, the whole the fearless thing. I think the wording's not particularly good because it came up in other games where I had to go over and make a, a TO decision. Oh, really? I don't feel as bad, though, if I fucked that up real up if other people have fucked that up. Yeah, um, I think because people think that... Because it used to be immune to psychology, so everyone kind of yeah. knew that immune to psychology was you're immune to everything. Whereas now it's fearless. People think, well, is that just you're immune to fear? Or, you know... Mainly because people haven't actually read the fucking rules is the big problem. <laughs> Which is ironic, which we'll, we'll get to a story that I'll tell later on, which is ironic that I just said that they don't read the rules. Cause <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, fearless. So, okay, sorry. Yeah, go for it. Fearless. If more than half of the models, units' models are fearless, the unit automatically passes panic checks and cannot declare a flee reaction unless already fleeing. Does that first part of that sentence apply to the, the flee part? Or just the panic test part? Both. So they can flee? Yeah. Right, okay. So I would have fled. That sucks, obviously, but at the same time, I would have opted to flee if I had thought that was the rule. Yeah. Oh, well. So the reason they didn't flee was not because I didn't think about it. So that's fine. The more you know. So, the more you know. This is like what happened at the end of uh, uh, Strife when I learned that you can't magical move a random mover. See, this is, <laughs> this is the whole good thing about the podcast. You learn the game. Every day is a school day. <laughs> <laughs> so... Ended up being a 16-4. 16-4 to Tim, okay. To Tim, yeah. Which was disappointing, just with how good the first couple of turns went. On the upside, last time I played Tim, I got 19 wand. Improvement, so then. I've went up three points, yeah. which is pretty good. Strong and it was good. I, I, I do like playing Tim. He's a good player, and um, he, always, he always takes the time to kind of chat to you about things in the game and after the game and stuff. So, And I don't get to play him very regularly, so it was a bonus. Yeah. We're a big fan of Timbo. So that was your, your game one then. So what was your kind of final takeaways from that? Was there anything that, obviously the flee now, but was there anything that you thought, oh, I really shouldn't have done that, or anything like your deployment um, that you think that you would have done differently? I think in hindsight, throughout the tournament, I could I would say that I don't think I used the barb cab units very well. Okay. Um, I'd only played one game with them previously, so I don't have a lot of experience using them as a unit. They're kind of a weird unit, in the sense that they're they're not light cav, so they're movement eight, which is very good, but they don't have light troops. They've got good armor save, but they're res three. Yeah. 
So using them, you can't really use them the same way you would use a lot of the other units. I don't think I probably use them very well generally. But really, in that game, beyond that, I'm not really sure what I would have done differently other than being a bit more aggressive with the Chosen while they were on the bridge. But again, that would have been a risk. And if I had gone, it would have been potentially like a 19 or 20 zero to Tim. But beyond that, I think it was a, a pretty good game. It was very swingy, but um, I enjoyed okay. it. One thing that Tim mentioned to me after it was that he was surprised you didn't put the Chosen Knights on the bridge. He said something like this to me at the end of the game, and then he mentioned something about using them as like a roadblock and then flanking. Yeah, then, see, I'm so not... I how you do that on the bridge, because you can't do that after on the bridge. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure I agree with him, having thought about it. Because basically what he was saying was, you you basically load the bridge with all your killy stuff. Yeah. And then you force him to decide, does he want to lose the game 13-7? Or does he want to try and push and get something out of it, but risk losing bigger? Which, uh, especially because it changed to singles, I think that's a fine team mentality. But... In singles, you've really got to maximise points all the time. Um, so I, I don't know. He's probably right because Tim's normally right. Yeah, I don't. I mean, Chosen's about as killy as I've got, and they were on one bridge, and the wretched ones should go through his blocks. And I think part of my mentality going into the game was what I did. I was going to do that regardless of who I played against, because that's how I had Taylor. Right, so you can have like a pre, yeah, pre-format. Tactic, so. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of felt, well, the Chosen can go through the water, and I'm not taking penalties. Um, the Wretched Ones could probably make it over the water if I roll averagely. But as I will discuss later in another game, they don't always roll averagely. <laughs> and they could have just gone there, and they would have been taking DTs. Okay, they're large infantry, they're not taking as many, but I can control their movement on the bridge if I want, just by putting them sideways, and they can just bounce off. I don't know. There might have been other ways I could have played it. I, I don't think there was anything wrong with how I did play it, which makes me think that I didn't really do anything wrong per se. I don't know if another way would have been more effective, but at that point it's just dice and what he rolls. Yeah. So yeah. I was pretty happy with actually how I played the first game because I didn't okay. really think there was anything major tactically that I did wrong. Apart from maybe I, I probably could have moved the barb cab units around a little bit better, but again, that was a general problem. Okay, then. So 16-4, that ended to Tim. Yeah. Uh, going into game two. So game two is the uh, night raid scenario, where both players have a camp marker. Uh, the camp has a stat line, which is meant to represent camp guard protecting it. And basically, the whole idea of this one is that you've got to try and get to your uh, opponent's camp and destroy it while defending your own. So yep. who were you playing game two? So game two, I got to play against Matt and his Infernal Dwarves. Nice. I hadn't played against Matt. Uh, Matt's been up to a few events, so it was really good to get to play him. Spent a bit of time rolling some dice, chatting some shit. Sweet. And Matt oh, has a very nice. nice army as well. He does. It's a pleasure to look at, which is another bonus. So it was good. So we were playing the camp. Um, I'd only played Infernal Dwarves once before, so I was a little bit like hard to read his list. I knew yeah. what some stuff did, but like, as soon as someone brings like a guy riding about on a monstrous mount, I'm like, he's got to be Kelly, right? And those big Torok guys, they look pretty beefy. They look like they can, you know, cause some damage. He had the Infernal Engine, yeah, War Slug. That thing's snail. a motherfucker. Yeah, very cool model. Very nasty rules. He had um, 
two units of ten flintlock guys, a couple of te- uh, blocks of hobgoblins. He had three pieces of artillery, and he had a block of immortals with a BSB in it. So the guy on the bull that was flying around, I think that was his um, his wizard, his uh, alchemy dude. Yeah. So I had said to you actually before the game started, I don't know if you remember, I was like, what the fuck did I do against this list? Just because I didn't really know what it did. Yeah. You said just push at him, he's, it's not very killy. So I did that. Was that good advice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't really remember much about specifics. Okay. Um, although I, the main thing was I, I did really enjoy the game, and I think I actually voted Matt as for the Sportsman Award. Okay, cool. Because uh, I did really, really enjoy the game. As list was actually pretty defensive, and he seemed pretty content just to kind of maintain his gun line. Okay. So as I was moving forward on the flanks, he was just kind of moving back, maintaining the line, repositioning just so he could shoot and do some magic damage. He had the Infernal Engine in the in the centre. Yeah. And I think I went for turn one, and that was the one thing that gave me pause, because I was like, that hits, like, the metaphorical train. I'm pretty sure that's where the Infernal Engine comes from. <laughs> it's fucking rough. Yeah. And I was like, that thing can just blitz through shit, and it's tough. And in my mind... If I put the Chosen into it, if I got a flank on it, they could probably deal with it, but I had deployed the Chosen on my far left, and they were, they were just pushing up to go after the camp. Because I really wanted to make sure I killed this camp, because I, I wasn't sure about his list, I wasn't sure how I was going to do, so I was like, well, as long as I get the camp, and he doesn't get mine, and he's a dwarf, he's pretty fucking slow, I feel a bit better about the game yeah. for winning the second round. So I basically just stayed away from the Infernal Engine in the middle, and just kind of try to maintain my a front so that as I was committing on the flanks, he could either... Because he had some of his squishy stuff on the flanks, so I figured he's either going to have to commit and save a flank, or he's going to have to come forward. And when, yeah. his clamp, when his flanks collapse, I can just envelop him if I want to come in for points. I was very fortunate that two of his war machines, at different points of the game, did blow up. Uh, one of them, hilariously so, actually did some damage to his own shit. Ooh. Um because they're the ones that actually do that kind of explosion, and then you roll the dice for the range, and then you're actually damaging your own stuff. Well, that's spicy. So that was pretty nice. Yeah. Um, he did. He was doing some damage with his shooting. I think um, throughout the game, the Chosen on the left, they effectively got to the camp, killed it. I think he had shot at them with like the is it the Titan mortar that causes the DTs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he had uh, Flintlock guys shooting into them and alchemy and whatnot. I think I killed the camp with five guys, and then they reformed. And then by the time they charged the last remaining war machine, there was like two guys left. <laughs> okay. But they killed the war machine. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so that was good. So that was pretty good. So I got the war machines in the center. Beyond that, I got a lot of the small stuff. Um, there weren't really any huge combats in the game. It, was, it felt really tactical. Like, movement was a really big deal. Okay. Um, and once he told me that the way the random movement works on the engine is that it can't charge anything that's not on its front. Yeah. That was just like, okay, that changes the game. <laughs> so there was just like barb cav units like moving around them and just being like, haha, I can't get me. <laughs> so that helped a lot, actually, knowing that rule. I, I made one huge colossal fuck up in the game, which cost me points. Okay. Um, so the immortal block I didn't really want to fight because a lot of my Kelly stuff was elsewhere and I figured I just want to pin that in the middle and leave it alone yeah 
So I'd, I'd stuck a unit of dogs chaffing it for what seemed like three or four turns. Okay. And then at that point in the game, I had to start moving other things around it. So I moved, there was a chosen knight unit kind of babysitting the dogs a little bit. Uh, in case he did want to commit, had something that could at least sort of put up a fight. And the wizard bunker was, was near this chosen knight unit. So the chosen knight unit, I can't remember what happened, but they had to fuck off and get out of dodge somewhere. So the, I also had to move the barb cav unit because the wizard was in there. Right. So cast some spells, so they're getting moved. And then in my mind, and I remember thinking this, thinking all I have to do is rotate that dog unit three inches. Oh, Paul, that, you didn't. I'm sending that unit in a different direction. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and I didn't do it. And I remember... It was like, right, it went into Matt's turn and I'm standing there and I'm looking at it and I'm going, I didn't move that dog unit. That's really good. <laughs> so he basically charged the dogs. Yeah. Uh, overran into like the fucking flank of the wizard bunker. I was like, oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> so that was a big moment in the game. What was really funny was, not for Matt, for me, I think he killed all of them bar one barb guy. So I think it was the champ that was left. Yeah. And No, it wasn't the champ. So it was one run regular Joe guy, probably the banner, and the wizard. Okay. So they fled. He didn't catch me. I rallied, and then on my turn six, the wizard turned round and fucking sniped the BSB. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which was amazing. I physically punched the air at the end when that happened. I was like, yeah, points. Wow. So that was pretty glorious. And then elsewhere, like as I say, there weren't really any kind of major combat. So ever, and like the snail never really got into a. Uh, Combat. I should say that his engine's a snail model for people that haven't actually seen it. It doesn't, doesn't have a snail on the table. <laughs> um, I didn't really get into combat with that. The the Torok, I had kind of set up on his flank. I was trying to set up a counter charge, but as things panned out, they they actually got by the chosen unit. Um, so they never ever saw combat, basically. So the only kind of meaningful combat was this kind of hilarious overrun that the the dwarves got into the flank of the wizard bunker with the wizard turning around and casting the shit <laughs> the BSB. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty good. So it ended up actually being a 10-10. Pretty bloody game. But as I say, we we still had stuff left. And I caught his camp. He didn't get mine. So I ended up winning 13-7. Nice. So it was good. It was a really good game. I mean, he had a bad luck with misfires and... That seems to be Matt's bag, though. Like, whenever there's a miscast or a misfire on offer, he's just like, I'll buy that well, shit. <laughs> I think if you bring a gun line to a tournament, you're going to have a shit round, right? Yeah. I, you're gonna I, get I can that. attest to that. You're going to get that round where nothing works. Yeah. I mean, his small arms fire was doing okay. Like I say, he got the chosen down to, like, four wounds. But um, it was a relief seeing his war machines kill themselves. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. They've war- done more wounds to themselves than I've done to them in this game. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good game um, so got a small win so that was nice okay cool so that was 13-7 to you yep. so you're only down three points going into the third game then only three points going into the third game that's very yeah, it's about, very doable <laughs> it's about to get much worse though as I'm going <laughs> to play a BC list I think they were like BC were the most they were the most brought army right yeah I think there was four BC lists is that including yours? I know you didn't play. No, I think it was five, including mine. Yeah. So originally, if there had been everyone playing, it would have been five. So there were what? They were all different, I have yeah. to say. But um, oh, technically, I did play this round. 
Oh, that's very true. Do you want to talk about your round really quick? Uh, yeah, oh, just very quick. So um, Henrik wasn't feeling very well in the second round. Um, so he was playing the lovely Gary Quirk. Tactical Chunder. Tetsuko Chundi, yeah, he was, he was so scared of a dwarf off that he faked illness. <laughs> um, so Gary was very nice about it and they shook on a 10-10. Um, so I said to Gary, do you want just the game? Because yeah, I've, well. I've got my shit. I will just run at you and you can take me off or I'll take you off. And he was like, let's do it. He was using Infernal Dwarves as he always does. And it was a really fun game. It was a bit mental because basically... I played very fast and loose and just <laughs> threw my uh, undead wall at him. The highlights included uh, his blunderbuss shit, okay? Right, so everyone says blunderbusses are shit. They're not shit. I remember this. I had this conversation several times a day. <laughs> I couldn't get over this, right? Because I was so convinced they were shit that I didn't show them any respect whatsoever. Yeah. So the the one of my horrors was, like, both my horrors got in behind them, uh, which is normally very good for me when that happens. But his uh, blunderbuss unit quick reformed, shot one horror off in a turn. The horror was on full wounds, so I was like, right, okay, cool. Fun times. Um, that was nice. Uh, next turn, he reformed them, shot off my wraith unit, which was also on full wounds, so I was like, yeah, cool. Great. Um, so that's um, that's like 800 points dead. Uh, yeah. Loving life right now. <laughs> Uh, so the game ended 10-10 because I lost like a thousand points in the last turn. Jeez, that was last turn as well. So sorry, last two turns. So because I like I felt like I had the game comfortably under wraps. Um, I thought that was early game that happened. No, no, that was that was like late game. Okay. Because he had a unit of backstabbers c- come on as well, so I had the Vakalak oh, yeah. like lurking about in the back just to protect my camp. Because the the Vakalak's got regen, he's got shitloads of pyro, so I didn't see much point in throwing him forward. So the backstabbers come on, I just put the Varkalak in front of them, because I think he can charge me and the Varkalak will just eat them. And he poisoned the Varkalak to death <laughs> in one round of combat. Did you know they had poison? Yeah, but I didn't really, like, I was thinking, you right... didn't think they were going to land that many hits. Yeah, I mean, it was, how many sixes can this boy roll? And no. then and, and then I get a four-up regen, yeah. and I just, yeah, he just fucked me. Uh, and which then you've meant, got Vampiric as well, right? Yeah, but I only get Vampiric at the end. I, crucially, I only get Vampiric if I'm alive, which I was very no, not. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking, even if he does a couple of wins, you, you know, you should potentially... Oh, yeah, for sure. What we actually yeah. did was, we, we did it wrong the first time, so we did the combat, and we thought the Varkalak was alive on one wound. But then we, we played the next turn, and then I actually said to him, wait, let's do that, the, the combat res again. Uh, because we didn't include the charge. Oh, uh, okay. So I actually popped the Varkalak... Um, uh, so I took the Varkalak off uh, but it then meant that the backstabbers could get into my camp so it went from like I felt very comfortable like I was going to win the game to um, it was a 10-10 but it was a really really fun game like it was bananas I was a little bit sad I never got to play uh, Gary at one point I was looking at the, the scores and I thought oh I might actually end up playing Gary that'd be good I've never played him before yeah it was but, good fun um, wasn't meant to be Gary, um, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he's a connoisseur of the smack talk as well. He kept <laughs> telling he? me how he was going to shoot me off. Amazing. Uh, yeah, which was... I didn't believe him until he shot me off. <laughs> I, I don't really get that kind of vibe from Gary. Oh, uh, yeah. That, that would be the case, but that's really funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was good fun. Cool. That's so, a bonus. 
Yeah, it was bonus nice. Game. Yeah, nice wee bonus game. Uh, and that's the reason why there's no photos from round two on Twitter. It's because <laughs> <laughs> I was too busy getting my unit shot off by Gary. <laughs> Looking up fucking blunderbuss rules. It's like, what the fuck is this strength by <laughs> bullshit? <laughs> that was your Tim's Wretched Ones equivalent moment. Oh, I know. I think I was telling everyone that would listen to me at dinner <laughs> how bullshit the blunderbusses were. <laughs> Uh, so game three, uh, yeah. so game three was secure the maiden. It was. So the idea of this one is this is basically the scenario that the Ninth Age guys stole off us and made Spoils of War, which is basically just a shit version of this one. It is. It's a really shit. This is way better. Yeah. So it's basically Spoils of War, but the spoils run about. And yeah, they, they do. They get in the way and they chaff you, and they just, it's it's essentially just chaos. Yeah, um, there's lots of really funny rules. Like you can, you have to charge them a scoring unit, but when you make contact, you can't then reform or move. So you yeah. potentially contest the secondary at the expense of losing the unit that has just won you the secondary. Yeah, we basically tried to make it the biggest ball ache of a scenario possible. Yeah, it's really good. It's it's fun. We should um, suggest people go onto the forum and just download the rules pack just so you can see the rules because yeah, they're that's worth a good the point. game. Yeah, you can get all this on on the forum. You can go on and grab them if you want to try them out. Even if it's just you want to try something different, because we all know that after you play the the same scenarios over and over again, you sometimes get bored of them. But oh yeah, march and column three times in a row. Oh, so. march and column is the worst fucking deployment <laughs> ever. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> we digress. We digress. So yeah, so this is um, secure the main. So who were you playing this round? So this time I was playing Tony's VC. Okay. And again, I hadn't played Tony before, so I was like, very awesome, cool. New opponent. This would be good. So Tony had kind of nasty. Tony's list was interesting. He had the, the dude on the zombie dragon, a shrieking horror, two yep. units of ten wraiths. He had all the zombies in the world. Yeah. Like four or five units of twenty zombies. Yeah. Big ghoul block, dark coach, and, and an assortment of vampires with different magics. It was cool. So he basically deployed all the zombies in the ghoul block on my left. So this is diagonal deployment. Um, yeah. So I normally really like diagonal deployment because combats, but against BC, not so great. <laughs> Good for him because he's slow as fuck, so it helps him get up. Yeah. And then he put all of his scary stuff on my right. So he had the zombie dragon, the shrieking horror, the two units of wraiths. I think he had one zombie block with them on that side. Yeah. So turn one, peasants didn't go very far. I think two peasants were in easy reach of my units. And I've only ever played your VC list, which is somewhat similar in that it has wraiths, it has freaking horror, so I know how all these things work. Yeah. So I knew it was going to be a bit of a shit matchup. I had, I didn't have the magical heirloom on the wizard, which meant that when I took the hereditary for the range damage for the magical attacks, yeah, it only left me with three spells, and I can't remember what I ended up choosing, but I kind of felt that across the tournament, like in hindsight. For all that, I really like Evocation. I say this every time. I really, when I don't have Alchemy, I miss it because I'm like, I can't do any fucking ranged damage. And against a list like that, where you have to fight it, it's not great. I don't know. Would Alchemy have really helped counter. you there though? Because then you're like you're wounded on sixes as well. The Alchemy spells. But it's just for things like even the Gloria Gold. Okay, that unit now has magical attacks. Yeah, that makes now yeah, that makes a up. big difference. Yeah. Um, so things like that, and inevitably, I'm going to be in combat. And then I'm not being able to cast my missile spell. So I've got no access to magical uh, attacks at that point. So magic didn't really help me very much in the game. So basically turn one, because the peasants were in easy reach, I basically charged the peasants. So I got two peasants turn one. 
Um, and the way the secondary works is one of the peasants is actually supposed to be masquerading as the maiden, which kind of features in the story that we have for the tournament. And at the end of the game, you roll a D3. You have your pre-labeled or pre-numbered peasants, and that determines which one is the maiden. So if you captured the maiden, that is in effect worth two of regular peasants. Yeah. So the idea being is you have to go for all, all of them if you want to guarantee that you win the secondary, which I really like. I think we had just talked about it previously about um, doing it differently so that you could potentially win with one peasant, but that's kind of shit. And the whole point is that you have to run after these randomly moving little 20 mil models, which yeah. is really funny to see. So I basically picked up two turn one, and I moved into a position where I could charge him turn two and I figured I can't really get away from him he's killing stuff is fast enough that it can hunt me down and screw me off or rip me off and I can't do any damage to him from range so they were, had an opportunity turn two to multi-charge one of the units of wraiths and I thought if that goes well and even if I don't wipe him out and he crumbles enough I can overrun into the stuff they had behind which was things like the second unit of wraiths or the shrieking horror or his general and then I thought, well, if I'm pinning him in one place, that means I can swamp him. And then that sounds good. Yeah. So basically, I got the block of Chosen in the flank of one of the wraiths and a chariot in the front. I thought, right, if this doesn't fucking kill this unit, I've got really nothing else that will. Rolled my impact hits, rolls a six. Great. So that's seven impact hits, strength five, winning on twos. I've got Four strength five attacks from the crew. I've got a couple of horses, strength four, and then I've got six chosen in the flank. So that's 18 strength, six I'm attacks. getting ready for the fall. I did two fucking wins. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Now, VC players are going to tell me to fuck off. I'll get ready. I fully expect this, but a three-up fucking save on a rank-and-fill unit is fucking mental. It is mental. I agree. It's really fucking good. And how many points is that unit, Andrew? 355 That to is 10. a fucking steal. And he's got two of them. Yeah. So it was a really risky move. And I, I think you were passing by the table at the time. And I was like, Andrew, I'm going to try something. It's going to go really well. It's going to go horribly. Yeah. And you were like, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. But I did it. Yeah. Um, because I just like, it's the three up save, like, like you say. It's so swingy. And if you don't. This is why I have a love hate relationship with the race because there's so much up dependent. If your yeah. opponent doesn't have magical attacks, they will, they've got the potential to win you games. If your yeah. opponent has any, especially ranged magical attacks, so stuff like Pyro, they just get minced. Yeah. Or, so three cyclopses. <laughs> or three Cyclopses. Or three Cyclopses. So, I do think... So, it wasn't good. Yeah. I, that's why, when you asked me, like, I'm going to do it, <laughs> I, I kind of, like, don't do it, because it was It was funny, though, because I was like, you know, I need an 8 on the Chosen. They could fail this charge. It wasn't like, oh, I'm definitely getting in. Yeah, which was the other reason why I was trying to tell you not yeah. to do it. <laughs> it was the fact they got in. And I was like, oh, they got in, amazing. And the chariot got in. And I got a six on impact hits. I was like, everything that I need to go well has gone well. And then it was just like, no, three ups. You're fucked. I was yeah. like, oh, shit. So um, they died horribly because they got like charged by something else. The um, At that point, uh, the chosen knight unit on that flank had another peasant. I was like, right, fuck, I'm going to have to try and get out of dodge. This is really bad now. I'm going to try and save points. Uh, but because he had the, the general and the zombie dragon, yeah. and have, working that in tandem with the shrieking horror, they were just super mobile. 
he was never not going to be within the the range to march with yeah. the shrieking horror, which is he was just constantly flying around me, getting into a flank, screaming me off. So that whole flank basically turned to shit uh, pretty quickly. Uh, on the other flank, the the he had all these zombies. I was like, this is amazing. The, the wretched ones are just going to like chew through this, no problem. Yeah, like because they're going to do shitloads of wounds. And then they're just going to crumble, and then they're just going to overrun into the next unit, and it's just going to be rinse repeat. This is going to be great, and it kind of worked to a point. Like I think they, they hit one unit, and I think the unit they hit had like thirty wounds. I think he had raised them by this point, and uh, I think they did like eighteen wounds, and then the rest just crumbled, and they overran into the next unit, and then, but at that point he was getting combo charges into them and stuff. He put the ghouls in. I think in hindsight, I just should have just thrown them into the ghouls because there was more points there, and I think that's a decent matchup. Um, yeah, ghouls can't deal with armor; that's their big weakness. Well, I don't, I don't have. Well, he didn't have flaming attacks, so I was, I was always going to get my five up save. Um, oh, sorry, you're talking about the, the sorry, yeah, the yeah, yeah, ones. Okay. So they ended up. I think they did a fair number of wins to the ghouls, but it, it wasn't enough. They did ton. They, I don't know how. I didn't count it up, but they must have done like fifty, sixty wins. On that side of the table, but against VC, doesn't matter. Get on up, boys. We just regrown them. So I think at that point in the game, it was like, oh, this is just game over, turn three. Like, I've lost. I'm going to lose the Chosen Knights because I can't get away from these flying dickheads. The Chosen are fucked. Um, the Wretched Ones are gone. I'd, I had basically lost like 2,000 points. General's not going to get away. Uh, from anything now because they can just get reaped or screamed so I think we we played it out we finished the rest of the game but I think we got to like turn 4 and I was like there's not even any point in like um, playing conservatively because I've played too many points and he's going to get the second you know because the zombie blocks can just pick up the peasants yeah, okay. so I was just doing things like alright the chosen knight the unit that's left is going to charge that thing didn't matter you know wasn't doing enough to crumble anything, and they ended up just getting combo charged and killed. So it was just a really bad matchup. But I knew that going in. Um, I don't really know. I don't really know what I would have done differently because if I try and stay away from him, it doesn't really stop him doing from what he needs to do to win. Yeah. Leadership eight across the army just isn't good enough as in terms of protection from the horrors. And really, the list relies on having high armor. And if you're reaping AP ten, then you know. Nothing you can really do. So yeah, I do think um, that like for VC warriors are normally always a green matchup because everything yeah. the warriors have as a strength, VC can counter. Uh, particularly if you go along the anti armor route, which I tend to, I have been using. Um, and Tony, Tony's list was very much you know lots of wraiths, the horror, and then the uh, the character and the zombie dragon. Was Lamia with the minus leadership debuff because she had the uh, Reaper's Harvest, which wounds you but on your leadership and things. So, yeah, he was getting yeah. good magic phases and stuff as well, just yeah. with the ability to like generate tokens. And he had that many. He was, I think, he was channel three or channel four or something like that in the list, just with the amount of stuff going on. So, okay. it's a very. I, I really like his list, but I really like to look at it from far away and not actually play it. <laughs> That's probably fair. Yeah, but um, Tony's a really nice guy. It was a good game. I did enjoy it. Um, he seems pretty chill to play, which was nice. So for our final game for, for day one, it was quite good. It was for all that it was a bit of a shit show. It was a pretty relaxed game. Okay, so was that twenty then? Yeah, that was a, that was a hard twenty. Hard on twenty. Yeah. Okay, so twenty three points to climb uh, day two is uh, 
yeah, that's, that's probably a, not going to happen. That's a bigger obstacle. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it was good. Um, I mean, it was a pretty like it was a pretty mixed day. I mean, like the first game was happy with how I played, but it just didn't go my way, which was fine. Second game, second game, I won, so I can't really complain. And the third game was just a, a horrendous matchup, so I was okay. I was fairly optimistic going into day two. Okay. So day two started with uh, game four, which is Fog of War. Uh, so this yeah. is one of our our new scenarios for this year. This was which, really fun. Yeah, I think it went down well. However, it did. people really liked it. Yeah, yeah. When we so the idea of this one is blind deployment essentially. So we had this idea that we would partition the tables, which would make literally you could not see your opponent's side of the table, uh, and the secondary objective would be table quarters. So nice and easy. So we thought it's a perfect starting game for day two because you don't really need to worry about it too much and it's a nice simple objective uh, making those screens was an absolute <laughs> ball ache <laughs> I had to get 72 foot of cardboard and make these screens did you get all that from that guy that lives down the street yeah so house? yeah so my friend Paul bought a, a house actually just down the street from me and uh, between that and <laughs> I think his mum had gar- garden furniture that she ordered Nice. So basically, he just gave me all this cardboard. I think we might need to have a look at that for next year. We, there, there must be an easier way to do that. Yeah, but we we talked about like afterwards, like using material like uh, a cloth or something, and just buying a roll, and just buy something that's like stupidly cheap, but you can't see through. Yeah, I think that and might just building have to a be very there. rudimentary something to hold it at either end because the tables are all like stuck together, so it's kind of ideal. You'd only need like two or three rolls of it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was that was my cardboard morning. <laughs> but <laughs> the important thing was, I think everyone enjoyed this one. No, it was really good. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, Steve, who who runs the venue, had posted something about it on the Facebook page. Okay. I think he really appreciated it. I think he thought it was really. Okay, fun. that's cool. Um. So yeah, I was playing uh, John T. Zogers. Oh, John T. So this is uh, this was good. So I work with John T. And he's recently gone back into the hobby. Um, so I remember the first time I played him, and you know, very quickly I realised like, oh, he knows what he's doing. This isn't, <laughs> I'm not playing some. This isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> What's this shit? What's this fucking shit? So blind deployment. Basically, what I decided to do was deploy wide, and just he has he has a fairly fast list. I mean, he had a unit of tuskers, had the rocker orc, had a giant. Big block of uh, ogre bruisers. I had four merc vets with pistols and poison shots, accurate. And he had a block of tribesmen with characters in. A couple of cats for chaff and a cannon. Then that was the list. No magic. So I had deployed wide, thinking I'm going to contest the secondary here and just move around him, blah, blah, blah. And then we flipped the screen and he's just deployed everything in one fucking corner. <laughs> And I'm like, well, that corner of the table is going to get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> just the, the world of fatness descending upon them. So um, basically, I think I went first. Uh, because he had kind of left the cannon out in one flank, I figured, right, I'm just going to send up the Chosen, they'll get the cannons at some points. I'm going to push up on my left, where he hasn't deployed, and I'm going to swing around, and I'm going to basically claim that whole half of the table. And on my right flank, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold back, I'm going to force him to come to me, and then I'm going to chaff him, and then I'm going to run away. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get out of there, because on that side I had 
a unit of barb cav, two chariots, and one block of chosen knights, and that wasn't going to be enough no. to get through his army. So I was thinking, I'll just chaff him and stay away from him, deprive him the points, and I'll take points where I can get, and then I'll go for a small win. So that's basically what I did. It all seemed to go fairly well. He stuck out one of his saber cats, and it was maybe like five inches away from a rock or rock that he had. Okay. And I'm looking at it with the chariot. Now, he had just shot the second chariot down to like one wound with the poison shooting. So I'm thinking, well, these chariots aren't long for this world. (laughs) So I'm going to use them. Now, he stuck a cat out. I'm fully expecting him to flee with this. But even if he does, it's not a horrendous charge onto the rock rock. It's still doable. It's not that long because I'm movement eight. So I figure, fuck it. Right. I'll charge the cat. So he holds. And I'm like, okay. Wasn't expecting that, but that makes my life way easier. Yeah. So killed the cat, overran it at the rock rock, which is good because I'm thinking right now it's his turn. He's got to fight that. Now he's not, he's losing all of his impact hits. And basically the way I hit the rock rock was the stuff on his right side that could uh, counter charge was mm-hmm. in my front. Because he was wider than me, he couldn't actually make contact. All right, so did you position the car- uh, Sorry, the chariot like right in the front? Uh, sorry, right, right in the middle, in the middle of, of the bases? Yeah, yeah. okay. Right. So the, the Merc Vex, he had, he had said, oh, can I charge? I was like, well, you can see me, but you can't actually make contact because you're blocking yourself. Yeah, okay. So I originally, when I made contact, I put it on the corner, and then I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to move over, and then I'm going to just have it with the basically the rock rock against the chariot. And I got... I don't know if he was thinking about this. I put the reroll to hit and, and reroll to wound spell on the chariot when I charged the cat so that I would have it for the rock rock combat. And I think... See, Paul, you pretend not to know what you're doing, but that's some sick play right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think he actually just thought, why is, he, why is he doing that? Like, that cat's dead. Like, impact should probably... Oh, I'm so proud of you right now. That's a sick play. <laughs> so, that's what happened. And I know I'm not getting the, the rerolls for the impacts, but I'm thinking, it doesn't matter. I need every fucking thing I can get hands on. Yeah. That's, a, that's a tough beastie. Yes, so he is. I go in, first round of combat, I think I do two or three wounds. And I'm like, well, that went fucking amazingly. <laughs> um, and I actually won combat. I think he maybe did a wound back. Okay. If that. But he held. He had all, everything within like general and BSB range. Everything was pretty, pretty tight. So it wasn't going to go anywhere, but... It just meant that, well, his rocker rock is pinned now, so if he commits with everything else, he's he's leaving that behind. And because I've got things swinging around that flank, if that combat goes on for two or three turns, that's some tasty overruns. Yeah. So I think, I mean, Jonty's, I mean, Brolet is relatively new. He's, he's a good player. I mean, he he sees things still. Like, he, he can appreciate that kind of thing. So he basically decided to push um, and get, get some points, because uh, it was, I'd already had his cannon at this point and some chaff, so he was like, right, I've got to get some points. So he started moving forward down that side of the table. Um, I just continually moved back, and then eventually I got to the point where I had to commit the dogs to chaff. I had already reformed the chosen knights, and they had started moving away from him. So at that point, he was never going to catch them realistically. And I kept the barb calf in that far right-hand corner. So the only thing that he could have charged him with was the giant. But I think. I actually fully expected him just to declare the charge just to, for the terror test alone, but he yeah. didn't. Um, and he just moved the giant round. And basically what was happening was we were forming two battle lines facing each other down the middle of the table. Yeah. Uh, 
And it was going to be very cagey because it was going to be like, who's going to commit? Because if someone commits and it pays off, they're going to win big. And if they fuck up, it's going to be horrendous and the other person's going to win. So it was about halfway through the game at this point. The the chariot ended up killing the rocker orc, amazingly. But I think he had it down to like one wound. So I made the choice just to throw it into the Merc Vets. Um, he was going to kill them in combat, but if I can kill a Merc Vet, then that unit starts yeah, becoming much easier. The, uh, to kill. Impact hits, yeah. Yeah. So I did that. He killed me, but I got rid of one model. So I was like, that's cool. So he's, he's even down a couple of shots. So that's ideal. And basically what happened was the Merc Vets came forward down that middle line. And down that side of the table, I had the Wretched Ones. And I had nothing to block the Wretched Ones, so they were going to have to randomly move in a direction. So I either were going to move away from them completely and keep the points, or I was going to throw them in. And my thinking was, if I can hit that Merc Vet unit, that deprives him a scoring unit, which means that we are going to be contesting that table quarter. Okay. And because I have the other half of the table, I'm going to win the secondary. Okay. So that's what I did. Unfortunately, when I did the random movement, they rolled fucking clown shoes and went like <laughs> five inches, which meant that he charged me with the world. Don't so you I just think hit he, it when they roll clown shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he charged me with like the Tuskers, the Giant, and the Merkbits. I was like, well, this isn't great. Yeah, that'll he's do got it. All these, he's got all these impact hits. I think, he, I think he killed like half the unit. And I was like, fine. I don't care. Unbreakable. Stuck. And then over the course of the last two rounds of the game, they actually killed the Merc Vets. Okay. everything into them. So then they got the points for that unit. There were only four of them, but it's still a chunk. And again, it was a scoring unit. So he killed the Resid ones. So he got like 600 points, which is a chunk back. But that basically won me the secondary. And at that point, I don't think either of us were willing to, to gamble. I had moved stuff away from the center line a bit. Just because I knew if he had broke that unit, he was going to get a potential charge on his turn. So I think it was still doable. He could have potentially charged the Tuskers out into the Chosen that had turned round. So it would have been a flank charge, a rear charge, sorry. But it was like he would have needed like 12, probably. Okay. And if he fails, he was definitely going to lose secondary at that point. So. I think he was like a calculated risk. He was like, I'm not going to make it. I'll play for the secondary and hope the Merkvets don't die. But they did die. I think I only had like one or two wretched ones left when they actually killed the Merkvets. So it was conceivable. I think I needed like, I think I did just enough to kill them. It was pretty tight in the end. So I think he was hoping that we were going to draw the secondary and it would have been a 10-10 otherwise. But um, it ended up being a 13-7 to me because we got the secondary. So it was kind of a cagey game. But it was good. I enjoyed playing John A. He's a nice guy. He actually won the Sportsmanship Award. He did. Which was kindly donated by Drew, who made this amazing gaming box thing. It was yep. really cool. It was a close game, but I was just happy to get the win after game three. So, okay. Pretty so happy. That was 13. So you now need to get 10 points in your last game to break even, Paul. Yeah. Which, going into it, I was quietly optimistic. Okay. So, so game five is game five, yeah. is Cataclysm. So this was the other yep. new scenario. And basically Cataclysm, the objective for this is you've got to get as many scenario points as you can. And the scenario points you get for, like there's one for First Blood, there's one for killing the enemy general, uh, you get a point for every scoring unit you kill, and 
you also get a point for every scoring unit you have in your opponent's deployment at the end of the game. Uh, and while this is going on, there's random occurrences happening. So at the start of each turn, you pull a card from the deck and something random happens. And the random occurrences uh, range from you get a boost to your inspiring presence to uh, the Beast of Strivelin wakes up in the middle of the field and he's a random mover that just kind of gets in everyone's way. So that's the scenario you're playing. Who are you yep. playing? So I ended up playing against Danny. Okay. Who I played against it uh, Strife. Yeah. Game one. This time he had left the ogres. At, not the ogres. The orcs and goblins at home, and he brought his dread elves. Yes. So dread elves. So Danny had the dragon, right? Dragon list. Yeah, he had a dragon. He had the the altar. He had three units of dark raiders. He had a big block of spears. He had a couple of bolt throwers, and he had a big unit of dread judges. And that was the list, pretty much. So there were a couple of matchups I had in mind. I was thinking, right, wretched ones, dread judges, that's what you're for. You're just going to kamikaze yourselves in there and deal with them. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. I, to borrow a phrase from Andrew, I cut myself in my deployment. <laughs> <laughs> so when I, so this is the, the internal debate I have with wretched ones. They're random movement, right? Yeah. They're great. They're really hard for the opponent to know where the fuck they're going to go. Yeah. But it's also really hard for me to know where they're going to go. <laughs> what I find myself doing, and it is often to my detriment, is I stick them behind a unit of dogs. So the thinking is, I can hold them back when I need to. The dogs can do their bullshit 24-inch move, <laughs> and I've got all the room in the world to move them out. The problem is, they're random movers, and so they randomly move before I can march the dogs. Fuck's <laughs> sake. Uh, yeah. So... I know this, but I'm thinking it's fine. I want to set up charges. I want to see what he's doing anyway. I'm not going to get any charges off turn one anyway. So I've got time. Okay, fair enough. Right. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. but You kind of need to go first in that scenario, though, because you well, need to get the dogs yeah. moving. Yeah. So the, the, the problem partly is that he's got these three units that all vanguard, the Dark Raiders. Yeah. So he can basically chaff me before the game starts. Yeah. So on my right-hand side, I had a chariot, I had the wretched ones, and I had some chosen knights. So he basically stuck out the, the raiders in front of the chosen knights. So that I can't get a charge off on either the, the dread judges, which are on that side, or his spear block, which are on that side. Okay. So I'm thinking, right, I can't get the wretched ones where I will need them to be. So what I'm going to have to do, or what I don't necessarily have to do, but what I chose to do, was say, right, you're still quite far away from me with everything else. Your dark raiders are chaffing you, they're chaffing me, so I'll let them chaff you a little bit longer. So mm-hmm. I, re- I reformed the chosen knights to go two by two, thinking, I can now get past that unit. If you come forward too much, I'm just going to move around you. And then that frees up the wretched ones. Yeah. But he didn't do that. He kept his battle line pretty solid and just moved them forward a little bit. But at least this gave me time to move the dogs. So the dogs fucked off. can't remember what happened to them. They <laughs> ran off somewhere and got killed. Good fucking riddance. So they're gone. <laughs> so now I'm thinking, aha, release the wretched ones. <laughs> and now I think I needed like an eight, or not even maybe as much as that. I basically just needed them to go far enough to sit in front of both of these units, which would then allows me to hit the, ra- the, the raiders with the chosen knights, and I can choose to over- overrun, and he can't charge me because he's going to hit the wretched ones, or reform, and then at least I can then Get out of his way or counter charge yeah. on my next turn. And I rolled a fucking four. So <laughs> Is that on three dice? That's on three dice. Yeah, okay. So that's, now I'm thinking, that's not fuck. good. 
So what I did, and I thought this was really good. I always really like impress myself when I do something that's not even brilliant. It just sort of makes sense. So it's like, yes, of course you would do that, Paul. Why the fuck would you not do that? So the the chosen knight unit that were two by two, I effectively rotated them so that because of where the the wretched ones were now slightly in front, I rotated them so the dread judges could still charge me in the front, but the wretched ones would block them. That he was only going to get two models touching me. Okay. So I'm thinking, right, that limits the damage at least. And I've got two knights in combat still, and a mount with a stomp. That's okay. So the, that's inevitably what happens. The Dread Judges went into the Chosen Knights. If he won combat, he didn't win by very much. We might have drawn, I might have won the combat. It didn't matter because he stuck and then he reformed. And then he reformed in such a way that he went wide by like two models deep. Yeah, so which meant a long thin line. A long, thin line, which effectively meant that that unit could bypass the Wretched Ones, which had blocked them from actually making more contact. Yeah. Which I didn't think you could do, but you can do that, which yeah. made me sad. <laughs> so, so he now had, <laughs> like... sad in my heart. He, he had, like, I don't know how many fucking Dread Judges, but he had these Dread Judges, which do have lethal strike and hatred and all sorts of bullshit rules. So that wasn't looking good. But does that the not dragon, now mean that you're... The random movers can then just random move in at the back of the dread judges. That might have been possible. Unfortunately, his dragon uh, here we go. In okay, that's not good. So that's not good. But I'm thinking, well, you're not going to chew through them that quickly because there's. I think he had killed two with magic and shooting, so there was still like four left. Didn't have flame on attacks. I was getting my saves. They're unbreakable. I'm thinking, well, okay, we'll see what happens. The problem is just that the wretched ones are strength four. He's res six. He's still getting all of his saves because they don't have any armor penetration. So for all that, I was getting maybe like maybe a couple of wounds through. He was just making his saves. Yeah. So I wasn't even chipping wounds off this fucking thing. So he was basically just out grinding both the wretched ones with his dragon and the chosen knights with the dread judges. So the only saving grace on that side was the chariot had fucked off up the flank and has, was now plowing through bolt throwers. So that was good. On the other side, I had the rest of the army. He had his... Uh, a big unit of Dread Knights, which had the the banner of blood bullshit, whatever it is. Yeah. And he had the altar. I fucking hate that altar. It's so fucking annoying. It's so fucking good. The ability to choose which buffs it's giving out is so amazing. Yeah. So if you imagine those units are facing forward, and in my center I've got a barb cab unit, and I've got my chosen with the wizard in the chosen unit, which I was like proud of myself. He's in there. Totally works. Come and fight me if you want. And unfortunately, he did come and fight me, and he kicked my fucking <laughs> <laughs> So I think what has happened was, he had another unit of like Dark Raiders out in front, and the chariot hit them, killed them, overran, basically, and they needed, like, not a massive overrun, they needed, like, an 8 or 9, and the overrun would have got them into the, the Dread Knights. And meanwhile, I had a unit of Chosen Knights coming up the other flank, which were now turning round with a Barb Cab unit. So the Barb Cab unit was just going to contest because one of the scenario points was breakthrough effectively. And the Chosen Knights could have came round and supported the, the Chariot. Or at least when he had killed the Chariot, he could reform, then I could charge him. Unfortunately, the Chariot didn't make it. And that got charged by his altar, which then allowed the altar to come further forward on the overrun. Uh, so now good. I'm like, well, I'm gonna have to fight that altar. I don't really want to do that because now it takes me closer to the knights. The chariot, which was plowing through the bolt throwers, I sent that into the 
back of the uh, Dreadnoughts, thinking, right, I can pin you that way. Yeah. Um, but uh, that didn't work either because he basically had already reformed his spear and they went into the chariot and took the chariot out. So that wasn't good. Did you not break um, the knights when you charged them in there? No, because I charged it on the overrun. Um, oh, so it was his round, right, okay. It was his turn next, right. which meant that he also charged me on his turn because um, he, he knew that was a possibility after I destroyed the first bolt thrower. So I think he had turned it round thinking that I might put it into the back of the Dread Judges. Um, but um, I went into the Knights because I was more worried about them at that point because the Dread Judges were already going to get their points back. So, sad times. Two chariots down. And what he decided to do was, after he killed the chariot, they kind of reformed a little bit differently, facing forward. And then he decided to give out the, the extra instance of maximized roll for charges from the altar. Of course, of course. Onto the Knights, which needed a 10. Which is a little bit dicey on three dice, but on four dice... Pretty safe. That, that's pretty good. Yeah. So both the altar and the knights got to the Chosen. Killed the Chosen before they could even swing. That was disgusting. Nasty, nasty, nasty. Ouchie. Yeah, so that was pretty bad. So that was basically a game at that point. Um, he won... He got like more of the scenario points, so he won the secondary... I was only contesting breakthrough with two units, and then he had three because he had the, the Dread Knights and the Dread Judges once they had finished with the Chosen Knights, and then he had the Spear as well. So he he got the secondary, um, and he also got like the first blood and had killed the General and all that because the General was in the Chosen. So I could have at least saved a bit of face by contesting the secondary a little bit more, but he actually ended up winning the secondary. And winning the scenario prize for that. Yep, he did. Yeah, for that game. So, Danny, for listening, you're welcome. <laughs> he was uh, really uh, far ahead with his scenario points as well. He oh had, yeah, like, he got yeah, all the scenario. Yeah, he had like out. nine scenario. Everyone else's is like three, four. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it was a good game though. It was last game, and I figured um, I'll try and play aggressively because I'm not going to win. So I may as well try and win that particular game. I think. The matchup, and interestingly, I was talking to Fraz about this because Fraz, who is part of the, the Wildlings, who has been playing dwarves up to this point, has recently just bought himself a Dreadnought army. I was speaking to him about the tournament afterwards, and he said that he feels that Dread Elves have a lot of very good builds that match up well against warriors. I don't know if that's true or not, but Danny's list certainly matched up pretty well against mine. I think if the Wretched Ones had just rolled a little bit higher, that changes the whole story on that flank. It just means that they're blitzing through the elite unit rather than being mauled by a dragon. I don't know if I had misplayed the barb cab units a little bit. Maybe I could have been a bit more conservative in the game. Maybe that made things a little bit easier for him. But I felt like I had some good rolls at points and he had some good rolls at points. So in terms of luck, it probably be balanced out. So I don't feel hard done by in any way. I don't think it was like a gamey win or anything like that. Like yeah. It was Pretty straightforward win on his part, so and it was. I've only played Danny once before as well, so it was enjoyable to play another one of the Durham guys. And he also was saying that he speed painted his army in like a week, and it looked really fucking nice, which just gives me another reason to hate him. <laughs> he did say that, didn't he? That's insane. Because I was like, it's a really nice looking army, and he was like, do you think I painted it in a week? And I was like, bastard. I mean, I think I'm pretty quick at painting, but that's that's next. Well, level. I mean, it's. I mean, he had 25 elite elves. He had 30 spear. He had like yeah, it's not exactly low model count. It's still quite a lot of guys. 15 cab, had a dragon, he had the altar. 
yeah, it had it had three or well, two bolt throwers, it had stuff to paint, and it looked good. So that wasn't good. Lost nineteen one. Nineteen Okay. So not ten points. No, no, almost the opposite of what we were going for there. (laughs) It was annoying as well, because last time we played, um, I think he beat me 13-7, and I felt going into this game, I was like, oh, I've got a chance to beat him here, this is going to be good. Yeah. Just turned to shit very quickly. I think Warriors is one of these armies where you have the potential to really get big wins. Things go your way, because you're so hard in combat, but as soon as things start falling apart, there's no backup plan. You start losing units, yes. You're losing 600, 700, 800 points at a time. You're just like, oh. Yeah. But um, overall, um, it was a good tournament. Played a lot of good people. Had fun. So Good. So we'll talk about your list at the end. Yeah. Um, but for, for Siege itself, uh, the overall winner was uh, Shane Baxter. Uh, this was the first time Shane came up to our northern... Uh, event and smashed face so it was nice to have someone new from out with scotland win one of our events yeah he did really well got like <laughs> 78 points or something uh so yeah so the the points after penalties were applied um so Sh- shane won the event with 76 points tim botnick came in second uh with also with 76 points uh shane just got more actual victory points third place was barry lynch with his vampires, uh, Barry got 71 points. Fourth place was our very own Ed Murdoch, who was on 64 points. Uh, he was using KOE. Yep. Ed had the, the potential to podium in the last game because he played Tim. And quite rightly, he, he played aggressively because he needed to get maximised points. But it just didn't come out for him in the end. Fifth place was uh, Matt Wilson, who you played. Uh, Matt finished on 55 points. Uh, sixth place was Tim Ross. Uh, again, this was the first time we had Tim up, so that was good. Uh, he also had 55. Uh, seventh was James on... I don't have James's points. Something. Eighth 52? was Stephen Dorning. Yeah, I think it was 52, yeah. They were on the same, right? I think yeah, I think that's what it was, yeah. Uh, Stephen Dorning with Vampires, he got 52. Uh, Danny Minto was ninth with uh, 51. Then we had Drew with his Demons in 10th. Uh, Drew got 49. Then we had Nick Armitage with his Beast Herds, 45. We had Tony Swallow of uh, Vampires, 45. Uh, 13th was Alex Thomas, who had a very good tournament. Alex got 41. Then we had 14th was Gary. Uh, Gary got 40. And then we had John T in 15th, you in 16th, and Martin in 17th, and Henrik nobly bringing up the rear, taking the spoon because he's just such a nice guy. He didn't want anyone else to take it. I'm convinced Henrik just throws games. Um, I think that's what he's into. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's a great irony that we we renamed Best Sports this year the Henrik Mao Award. And (laughs) Henrik is such a good sport, he lets someone else win it. (laughs) That's typical, isn't it? Classic Henrik. As soon as we name it after Tim, he can't win. Yeah. Or Henrik can't win. It's like the gods have decided. Yeah, so come along to Tim Botnick uh, 2019, our new event which we'll be running in. (laughs) He did well though. I mean, he got he got a nice prize for coming last. He got a uh, best yeah. painted army. He did. So he we should shout out our um, our sponsors. Yeah. So best painted was sponsored by Miniature Art Team. Miniature Art Team. Um, who <laughs> sorry, said... I thought you were leaving suspense. No, sorry, I was, I was waiting for you to come in there. <laughs> uh, Miniature Art Team sent us um, uh, like a custom case which was awesome with the wildland logo on it so that's a yeah, massive really thank you cool. to those guys uh, we anyone also... out there looking for a, a, a travel case yeah. check them out 
especially if you go to a lot of events with where you need to do air travel and things like that. I'm considering one getting, uh, sorry, for getting one for ETC uh, next year. So that will be, that will definitely be on my mind looking forward. Um, we were also sponsored by Westphalia Miniatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were sponsored by the guys at Mears again, who were always grateful for their support. Uh, Brewdog, actually, through Calm Sinclair. Big shout out to Calm. Uh, gave us lots of beer for the day. That was great. We had lots of beer. We had lots of beer. Am I missing Urban anyone? Mats. Urban Mats, sorry. Yep, they sent yep. us a, a Matt prize, which was, again, Urban Mats are another one of the companies that continues to support us. So that's good. I think that was that was our lot. Yeah. 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 Like you said earlier, like because it was maybe a team tournament, we had lots of prizes, so... Which worked out well for the guys that won them because they got all the goodies. Yeah, I mean it was good in the sense that we could open it up and we could have a prize for third place, which was yeah. good in the end because yeah. there were a lot of fairly close scores. There was, yeah, it was really, really quite tight at the top. Yeah, at the top. I mean, generally there was a bit of a, a bit of a divide, but yeah, at the top yeah, it was pretty, pretty yeah. tight. Yeah, top top four were pretty tight. The rest of you jabronis were uh, pretty. I uh, were just slumming <laughs> it at the bottom. Throwing yeah. dice at the wall, being like, "How do you play <laughs> Throwing clown shoes about the place and all that. Yeah, go. <laughs> so yeah, all in all, very successful event, especially given all the the change of formats and stuff we had to go through. Um, but by the sounds of it, everyone enjoyed themselves. Yeah, it was good, good crack. And um, just to kind of reiterate what Andrew said at the beginning, thanks for everyone that took the time to come up. That's what totally makes the day is hanging out with. Cool guys like yourselves. Yep, hundred percent. It was good uh, seeing the guys and stuff because we hadn't seen them for a wee while, so especially the Durham boys. Yeah, and uh, it was great to welcome guys like uh, Stephen and Alex and Gary back up who came to the Scottish Champs, and they've already signed up to the next event, uh, which is our Scottish Champs, which I'll mention again at the end, uh, which is great. So we're yeah, consistently sure. attracting players, which is the same nice. schmoes keep coming yeah. back. They I love think because we're all shit and they keep doing really well. Oh, I like, think that's yeah. such easy pickings. That must be ninety percent of the reason they come. <laughs> the other ten percent is shortbread. So definitely, come on up, lads. Um, shall we move on and talk about your tournament? Yeah. So we had siege two weeks ago, and fresh from the battlefield myself. So this is Monday the twenty sixth. We're recording today, and. Uh, Midland team events or team event rather was this weekend so that was the 24th and 25th so we as a club sent down two teams uh, two teams of four uh, so we had Scottish Wildlands A and Scottish Wildlands B so basically everyone that wanted to have fun came on my team and everybody that hates fun joined Ed's team all the cool guys were on I think that's team. exactly what happened all the serious schmoes went on Ed's <laughs> schmoes yeah I, I've never taken a game seriously in my life super competitive Um, yeah so we decided quite early on that it would be a good idea if Ed captained one team and I captained another Uh, mainly just to get a lot of guys down to experience I I think it's fair to say a higher quality of play down south yeah Um, I think that's fair enough I mean I guess that's one of the disadvantages when you always play within the same club you're playing against the same people yeah. Inevitably, you can start playing against a player and not the army. Yeah, I think that's a big thing, yeah. So that was good. And it also gave both Ed and I a chance to practice pairings, especially looking forward to ECC, so that was really useful for us. Yeah. Getting used to throwing people under the bus. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, I'm very good at that. And I was feel... that according to you? Was that feedback you had for your team? Yeah, they were like, Andrew, why, why are you pairing for yourself? 
uh, and I said because I love points. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually had a good tournament. Um, <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> Amazing. So, um, Wildlands B, our first game was against the Fantasy Wargaming podcast, guys. So yeah, I wish I'd been just to watch that because yeah, it, it would have been good. Unfortunately, yeah, uh, Tony couldn't make the first round or the first day. Oh. He had a clash of schedules, so that he actually had to get a stand and play his army, um, which was which was another Tony who was very nice. So, but it was great to. I'd never actually formally met Paul before. Um, I'd met Tony, so it was great to meet Paul, um, and it was a real lovely way to start the event because all the guys were lovely, and uh, we had a had a great time. So first what round. Show? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as Paul complained about his highborn elves not being nice, they looked. They looked very nice. He's got like a white and red theme, which I just, I, I love white and red because I think they just work so well together and the army looked really, really good on the table. Um, Mark was using his, um, well, what's the word? The, the the Forsaken kind of beasts and stuff from the Warriors book. Oh, yeah. Fallen uh, ones? Yeah. So he had uh, the Fallen one, he had uh, Giant, he had the um, the Fallen, mm-hmm. just the, the dudes on foot. Core the core dudes in the first first war, they're the monstrous infantry guys, right? Yeah, the, the, the chunky fighters from special, yeah. Yeah, so his his army was really nice. I played against the lovely Matt Paris. I uh, was using an Empire army, which was very nice. And um, you would have fancied your chances against that. Well, <laughs> pairing for yourself has many advantages, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, the other Tony was using Tony's uh, UD army. Which was very nice. So the way pairings worked out, I ended up playing Matt Paris with his Empire. Yep. Uh, Martin played against Paul. Fraz played against Mark. Was, um, so Fraz was using dwarves against warriors. Martin was using Sylvan Elves against Paul's Hybern Elves. And uh, Michael was using an all mounted Empire list against uh, Tony's Undying Dynasties. Nice. So on paper, we had two greens, a red, and an amber. So what were your greens? So my, my game was a green. Mm-hmm. Fraz's game was a green. Mm-hmm. The uh, Martin into Paul was a red, and Michael into Tony was a amber. Okay, so you should you're going in thinking you're going to win that round. So on paper we win the round, yeah. Uh, so my game, uh, it was great to finally play against Matt. I just I feel like I, I somewhat robbed him this game, uh, and being an Empire player as well, I know exactly how he felt because none of his shooting turned up. Basically. Um, he had a unit of demis, a big unit of demis with a knight commander on young griffin in it. He had a big block of halberds. He had two wizards, one pyro, one cosmo. A big block of crossbows, big block of state militia. A big unit of writer with repeater gun, uh, two mortars and the steam tank. Cool. So pretty all round, quite shooty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he could afford to sit back. So basically I've just got to rush him. Uh, hope his shooting doesn't turn up turn one and just start taking points. So that's what I did. He deployed in a way that allowed me to isolate the the chicken knights quite early on. Mm-hmm. So I basically was able to chaff them um, and threaten them with the Varkalak, which ended up in the Varkalak going into the flank of the, the chicken knights and actually breaking them, and they ran away. Uh, and the horrors were getting up his face, getting up behind him, and his mortars just did nothing. Like, his mortars really needed to do something this game, and they just did nothing. Uh, the steam tank was... Equally shite. Uh, <laughs> the one time it hit, it wounded. Of course, I rolled my six up regen on the horror. <laughs> yeah, it's just nice. It was just one of those games where like nothing was going his way. 
Um, so how the game unfolded, like I, I, I broke the chicken knights on one flank. They then, because it was diagonal, they fled like through his battle line and popped out in the other end. Uh, luckily for him, nothing failed his panic check, but it meant oh, that yeah. the knights were essentially out of the game. Right. Uh, the objective was balls of war. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was balls of war. So I positioned one unit of zombies on one side, um, the skellies in the middle. And basically, for Spoils of War, I've come to the conclusion that there's no point going for all three. Just go for two. Yeah. And just hold them and make sure that you can hold them. So the scale blocks that on one and the zombies took the other. So I was just... The horrors were able to run riot because none of his shooting was turning up. So one horror got in behind them and started eating through his mortars. The other one was just uh, flying about threatening stuff. And it came down to... He had an opportunity turn 5 and 6 to charge the chicken knights who had rallied into the uh, Shrieking Horror and then overrun into my knight unit, uh, sorry, my knight unit, my skelly block. Okay. To try and contest the objective. So, he charged the horror and on paper, he should absolutely kill the horror. Somehow he didn't. Fuck's sake. So, he got stuck on the horror. He couldn't really reform to avoid the skelly block who then smashed into them and the vampire just ripped him apart. Uh, so he ended up getting those guys killed as well. It was just super unfortunate for him. Like, uh, nothing went his way. Uh, was that a unit of four chickens? It was five chickens and a knight commander. Oh, for fuck's sake. The knight commander didn't have any... I think that was that would be my one criticism of his list, that the knight commander didn't have any special weapons. Okay. So he was just kind of another chicken. Yeah. So I think he, he needed some kind of damage output on him. Was that was was he BSB? No, because the, the Knight Commander can't be your BSB. Oh, okay. Reasons. For reasons, yeah. So basically, I took everything off apart from uh, his block of uh, uh, halberds, his prelate, and his BSB, because I managed to snipe uh, his wizard master. And uh, nice. actually, I didn't get the um, the fire mage either because he ran away from one of the Shrieking Horrors very sensibly. So yeah, it was... I had a fire mage as well. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. He just... Because he, he deployed so deep uh, to run on that I basically was able to move up, take points without actually coming into short range and stay out of 24. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, refuse flank's normally good for shooty armies, but in this instance, I think he deployed maybe a bit too deep. But, I mean, this was a really bad matchup for him. And on top of that, nothing went his way. And having having been in his shoes, I know exactly how he felt going into it. Yeah, I mean, obviously you played, well, you've not played in a while, but you played Empire solidly for two years, so you yeah. know the army. Yeah, which yeah, again, massive like, advantage going in. yeah, so I didn't realise that, like, really who I was, so like, when we you sat down... I was the best Empire player in Scotland. So, so he sat down and he was like, so do you know what my army does? Oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm kind of like the Empire community support, and he was like, ah, so... This is not going to go well. <laughs> so yeah, that that finished eighteen two to me with the objective. Nice, that's good. So start solid win. I just feel a bit guilty because I know exactly what it feels like when you're as an empire player and your artillery and stuff just doesn't show up. But just one of these things. It's a game of dice. It's, yeah, yeah. You you just gotta take it as it comes. Like nothing you can do about it. And that's just sometimes you just get stiffed with like a, such a shit score. But yeah. I'd been, and like Matt was a total gentleman about it and we were actually we were running behind a bit on, on time and he was okay. adamant he was like no we'll get make sure you get all six turns in because it looks like this is going to be a big win for you 
He, he just he was an absolute pleasure to play against. Really nice guy. All the guys were. So we ended up winning that round because uh, Fraz won 19-1. Uh, Martin got 20 by Paul. <laughs> um, right. But then Michael lost small to the Undyne Dynasties. Oh, nice. So, so we did end up winning the round. So uh, we got 44 points. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, so that was good. So I think that was, not only did we all have nice first games, but it was a nice kind of confidence boost, especially for the likes of uh, Michael and Fraz that hadn't played like a, a bigger kind of English tournament before yeah. to get that under their belt. Um, so that was good. Going into round two, of course, we got the exact same scores as the other Wildland team. So yeah. of course we ended up playing them round two. Fucking jabronis. Jabroni squad. So, I mean, the smack talk had been pretty strong going into this. <laughs> And uh, I set my team one objective for the weekend, which was to come higher than them in the, the final standings. Of course. <laughs> of course. As we said earlier, I'm just not competitive. No, 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 no. I was like, I don't care if we lose against everyone else, but we need to beat these guys. <laughs> so how the parents worked out for that one was basically the one matchup we needed to avoid was Ed into Martin. Ed's too mobile for Martin to deal with. And you can just take stuff like the dragon off and the tree father off and just basically pull the army apart. Everything else was okay. Like my list is pretty good against all of their lists because they went all mounted for all of theirs. Yeah. So we had Ed using his kingdom equity, but a different list from the one he had at siege. Uh, it was all mounted. There was Tim with uh, your warriors of the dark gods. Yep. Uh, Nick used Empire Sonstall and Monroe used Hybrid Elves. So the parents for that one worked out. I played Ed. Fraz played Tim. Monroe played uh, Michael. Michael. And Fraz played Nick. That's right. That's everyone. Yep. So again, parents worked out really well for us. Mike, sorry. Before you say how the games went, yeah. did Ed say how he felt the pairings went for their team? Yeah, so, I mean, Ed does this bullshit where he's like, oh, yeah, we paired really well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got good good results here, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I the Ed impression. <laughs> I know exactly, he was shitting himself. He was like, ah, oh, they're going to come for me, it's all over now. Uh, he, he tries to play it cool, but I know. Oh, right, okay. I heard he, I heard he cried. Oh, he de- that is absolutely true, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> that should that should absolutely be heard by everyone and spread about. <laughs> um, so, in in terms of matchups, we put Martin into Nick because Martin was convinced that he would get a big win out of that. Yeah. Spoiler: that didn't happen. <laughs> so we sacrificed. So we we sacrificed Fraz going into that because Fraz was also convinced that you could get a big win out of Nick, but yeah. we but we give it to Martin. Uh, we put Fraz into Tim because, you know, that that's still an alright matchup. So actually, I think it was, I was an Amber into Ed, because that can really go either way. And we played one game before where I won 13-7. So that was kind of like, I think it was going to be a small win either way. Oh, yep. sorry, a small win, small loss. Martin into Dick was a green. Michael into Monroe was an Amber. And on paper... Fraz disagreed with me, but him into Tim was a, was a green, in theory. That's not what ended up happening. <laughs> so in my game against Ed, uh, it was a really good game. Like, really tactical. But, uh, fuck me. I just wasn't getting <laughs> the rub of the dice. So turn one, Ed moves up very aggressively. 
and he puts his pegnates behind a, a building, basically threatening a turn two charge onto my stuff. He did that thinking that I'll move up and scream him, and I've got one turn to scream him off, or he charges me with the super killy peg lord. So Edgelist has got a peg unit with a very killy peg lord. He's got a very killy hippo lord flying about. A big unit of Knights of the Realm with the impact hit banner. A couple scoring darts at aspirants. Four units of yeoman for chaff. And a grail bus. So, I really like the list. It works really well. He's sacrificing magic for more hitting power, but actually, it's very fast, so it can close the gap quick enough that magic shouldn't really be a major impact on it. So yeah, he moves up quite aggressively, and he's thinking that I've got one turn to scream him off. In my head, I'm thinking, actually, I'll just charge you with one of the horrors. So I could, I could, because he used the building to try and block me, I could clip him with a horror. I'm Mm -hmm. like trying to work it out in my head. I think I should win. He probably, he's testing on like a nine, so it's light troops. So I think I should win it. He maybe doesn't flee, but at least I pin him. And uh, there wasn't much in the way of counter charges available. He had quite a long charge with the Knights of the Realm bus. But if it means holding him in that position for long enough that everything else can get up, then I, I consider that a win. I'll, I'll sacrifice the horror in that case. So I needed a six on dice, which of course I failed. So the horror trundled forward and I just had to accept that the horror was now dead, essentially. So I tried to position the skelly block so that I could maybe get a counter charge if he didn't overrun far enough. Everything else kind of moved about. There wasn't... It was a very tense game of little margins, but there wasn't a whole lot to actually talk about in terms of, like, it was just little movements here and there. So he charges the horror, he obviously kills the horror, but then he doesn't overrun very far, which allows the, the skelly block the opportunity to countercharge. I countercharge, he flees, he flees over the way in front of my wraiths, which I was okay with because it basically removes the pegs for two turns. Um, so I just fail charred in the middle. Meanwhile, the, the Grail Blusts is over on one side, kind of just slowly trundling forward. The Hippo Lord is flying around, trying to get into position. So, it, like, this is already not going very well for me. Normally when a Hippo Lord is in your backfield, it's, it's not a pleasant place to be. It is not. So on his turn, the Pegs Rally. I've positioned the race to then get another charge on them in my turn. Nice. Uh, I basically just move stuff about. It's Hippo Lords in the backfield. My turn two, um, I charge the race. Uh, the night the pigs fail their uh, terror check. Nice. And they were they basically they were right beside the race, so they 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 flee away, but they don't flee very far. So they're twelve inches away from the race. So I need a six on two dice okay. to just catch them and kill them. Of course, nice. I, I of course I fail that. That doesn't happen. <laughs> So the wraiths fall on their face two inches or whatever the fuck it was. The hippo lord goes into uh, a zombie block, mm-hmm. which I think was a mistake. I don't know why I did this, because uh, now I'm thinking, right, I can hold him mm-hmm. there. So he starts eating zombies, but the, the zombies are still there, obviously. My turn, the skelly block can't decide whether to go one way or the other, <laughs> so it's kind of like moving about in the middle. I've now got these uh, grails coming round. Uh, he's chaffing the Varkalak so it can't really do anything I have to move one of the horrors away from the Grails because that's bad news if that gets in I'm also trying to hide him from the, the Hippo Lord so basically, to cut a, a long story short it all comes down to the fact that the Grails position themselves looking at the Skelly Block's front and the Hippo Lord is fighting the zombies somewhere to their back so I position to take the charge from the Grails because I'm thinking that it'll hurt their charge 
but he's hit me on fours because of parry, and then my vampire would just slowly grind them out. Yeah. And if I can hold them for two turns, the Varkal actually get into their, their flank or rear, because the, the Varkal have chased off his chaff by then. Unfortunately, uh, as Hippo Lord crumbles my zombie unit to a man, like, like exactly, on my turn, so he repositions. Yeah. So then he charges the Hippo Lord into the rear of my scaly block, and the Grails into the front. Sad times. So this is, this is bad times at the El Royale. Uh, in the ensuing combat, uh, I get the, the Hippo Lord down to one wound. Really? Uh, yep. I think I might have cast a snipe spell at him at some stage. Oh, okay. Or a horror might have got uh, the scream off at him at some stage. So he had one wound left. <laughs> it basically comes down to turn two. He does one wound to my vampire. I roll. I do three wounds. Uh, he's got four up regen. If he fails one of them, he dies. It means that the the hippo's no longer in the rear. It means that the grails really don't do that much to the scale block, and they can regrow the scales and get the Vark in, kill the grails, and this turns into a win for me. Yeah. Um, he makes all four of the regen saves. He then kills the vampire, which then causes the army to crumble. I lose the other horror. The wraiths, who are chasing these fucking peg knights, and they, they fail to catch them again when they flee. <laughs> but they actually finally got into them that turn. Right. Um, and then they crumbled before they could fight. So it's like, ah! Did the peg knights live? So I got the peg knights themselves because right, okay. I, 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 I reaped them or something to get rid of okay. them. Um, it was only the peg lord, but like that was that sh- that unit really should have been dead quite early on. And then obviously, him grinding the zombies down exactly was super unfortunate because it meant on, he could reposition in my turn and char- charge. And then not killing the hippo lord was frustrating as well because that basically cost me the vampire and ultimately most of my army so I mean it was a, a really good game like really tactical like had to think about everything uh, really swingy I think we probably we both made a couple small errors in positioning but ultimately it went Ed's way and he got a 19-1 out of me which Absolutely, is got the secondary. yeah he got the secondary as well I mean he's so mobile that I couldn't really it was spoils of war yeah so I was never really going to get that how did you find playing against an old Cavalist? Like, on paper, it, sh- it doesn't really bother me, because um, he's obviously relying on armour, and I've got an anti-armour army. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'd the played... The saves and some stuff, though, right? See, this is the big difference. This is why his his army was an amber and the rest were greens, for me, because he can basically afford to get ho- Shrieking Horrored, because he's still got that, that reserve safe. Obviously, yeah. he doesn't want to, but he's got a, a second line of defence. So, yeah, I mean... I played it before with the exact same lists uh, and I won 13-7, but I think the difference in that game was I definitely got the luck and he didn't, whereas in this game I think he got the luck and I didn't. Failing like two six-inch charges and not catching a fleeing unit, that seems a bit unlikely. To be fair, when we played before, he did seven wounds on Tahor and I made five out of seven six-up regen saves, so... Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, that is bullshit as well. So, I mean, swings and roundabouts, you can't really... It's not really Ed's fault that he rolled better than me. <laughs> like, it's kind of the idea of the game, but I was just annoyed that that was a big loss that basically came yeah. down to just a couple of dice rolls not going my way, but it's the nature of the beast. It's an interesting um, list. He's got no magic. He's got no magic, yeah. We talked about this after, and he said they didn't really miss it, because basically he's sacrificing a caster for another combat unit. So yeah, I, I actually really like his list. It works really well. 
Um, so across the board, Michael lost small to Munro, I think. Fraz okay. lost big to Tim. That Sorry, me- uh, medium to Tim, I think. I think it was maybe a 15-5. Okay. I can't remember off the top of my head. That's probably wrong. And then I think Martin won small against Nick when he promised he'd win big. Okay. So it's essentially Martin's fault, really, the entire thing. So everything went to plan apart from... Yeah. I mean, in pairings-wise, that was actually the pairings were okay for that one because um, it was going to be tight, but it was okay. Um, but obviously me cocking up my game against Ed and Martin yeah. not getting enough points. When you mentioned that Fraz kind of fancies his chances against him, was that the case? Or yeah. Or was it you fancies his chances against him? So Fraz does not... He's got like the mental barrier against playing Warriors. Right. Because he thinks that they just they outfight him. Which some units definitely do, but I think across the board that he's actually in a pretty good position to counter them. It's the resilience that the Warriors have got going for them. Yeah, and like... So Tim's list was... Um, Multiple units of Chosen Knights, Feldrake Ancestor, a unit of Feldrakes. It's like stuff that Seekers, like two Vanguard and Seeker blocks, which was Frazzy's list, and a Greybeard Vanguard block with a Kelly King in it. Like, they're not really bothered about that. Yeah. So on paper, it was fine, but I think things, from what I saw of their game, things just didn't go to plan, and he got counter charges in. So I'm not yes. actually 100% not sure what happened there because I looked over at one point it looked to be going really well and then when I looked back again, uh, Tim yeah. had all sorts of shenanigans going on. So I guess Tim knows the dwarf book. He does, yeah, which would have been a big, big advantage there. Yeah, I'm just thinking how much that might have played into it in terms of him picking what matchups actually he wanted and how many of them Fraz think thought he had wanted and maybe yeah. it just went Tim's way. But I would I would agree with you. Like I don't really like Tim's list. Yeah. Um, Chosen Knights are solid. Can't really go wrong with them. Feldrakes are a good unit. They're cheap for what they do. But the ancestor, I'm not really a fan of. I think he's too expensive. He's came down in the in the new book. But and giving him a great weapon. I mean, he's strength seven base. I would rather give him pair weapons, and make him seven attacks, offensive skill seven, strength seven. Yeah. But Tim did really well with the list, so he obviously knows what he's doing. Yeah. The BSB on the on the Chimera is a bit of a weird one as well. You don't really see many people using that, so maybe that just caught people off guard. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Having that mobile reroll, pretty useful. But um, I, I take it the smack talk was at an all-time high during this round. Yeah, so I have very foolishly said to Ed that we were playing for the captaincy of the ATC team. <laughs> Which I ultimately regretted after he smashed my face in. <laughs> so, as captain, yeah, obviously this was the second round. Like, were you taking timeouts to go around the tables at all? Were you and Ed doing that? Yeah, we did actually. We did a couple times. I mean, because it was only four man teams, you could kind of look and see, and everyone yeah. was playing in the same row, so you kind of you could look and see, and mm-hmm. everyone was giving thumbs up or thumbs down every now and again. So, um, there wasn't such a need for detailed team talks, but there was definitely a couple of times throughout the event that like Martin would come up and ask me for his, uh, an opinion or uh, Michael yeah. called me over and stuff like that. So. Did, um, looking over at the other tables, did the, how the other games were going, did that factor into how you were playing at any point? No, not really. Are we just like, screw these guys, I'm good for the win. <laughs> I kind of, like, Ed's list is difficult for me because of the ward saves. Yeah. 
But you knew that going in. Yeah, and basically he took a time out turn one. Uh, he took a time out with Tim. And I know exactly what you would have asked him. He was like, right, I've got an opportunity to go go aggressive here and potentially come out away with a win, a big win. Or it could go tits up. And Tim obviously said, yeah, go for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't think Ed saw the, the charge for the horrors. If that had gone, I think maybe it's a different game. Again, if the race take the, the peg knights, then that means they can... I mean, they were pretty far removed, but at least they can go up and... Actually, you only took one of the spoils counters, which was near the race. Right. So if the race had got the pegs early enough, they could have gone off and try at least terror-check the, the knight's aspirant. Although they're frenzy, aren't they? So they're... Only on the charge. Oh, only on the charge. Okay, so potentially they run away. But basically, it all came down to that big combat with the skelly block. But, you know, shit happens. Um, yeah. But it was it was a really fun game. It's just, I mean, it's... I guess, like you said, the first game was really good because you, you got a team that was really laid back, really a nice kind of entry into the day, into the event. Yeah. I guess, playing against people that you play against all the time, did you feel like there was a little bit more pressure? Because you felt like, on and the games where you expect to win, you think, well, there's more pressure on me now because I should win this because we mean, play each other all the time. I mean, Ed's quickly becoming my, uh, my new bogey player. Oh really? It was Guillermo for a while. It was Guillermo for a while, but like, I think I think I've beaten Ed the last three or four times I've played him at the club. Okay. But that's two tournaments in a row now where he's fucking smashed me. Mm. So loving you. It's, it's, a ta- it's the long play. That's probably what game. it is. Yeah. So cunning. But no, it was it was a really like I, in terms of like appreciation of the game, it was super tactical, really close. Uh, really good game. Really enjoyed it. Nice. But they capped the shit out of us. <laughs> like, that one hurt. That was bad. Yeah. So I braced myself for all the smack talk in the world over dinner. Where <laughs> uh, did so, you end up round three then? So to recover from that capping, we, uh, you know, a nice little easy match up against uh, England Lions. Oh, good. Yeah, so that's it, the. I hate to think that you went into like you know a tough game after. Oh that. yeah, no, nice and nice and easy. Uh, English ETC team, awesome. Why were they slumming it down the bottom? Uh because I, I don't think they were. I think it was um, submarine. It was the amount of player, the amount of teams, so they couldn't have play, teams playing the same teams twice. Because it was oh, only twelve teams, but so. they can have teams play each other. They play each other all the time. That's no well, some would say, some would say. I smell shenanigans. Um. So we played England Lions, so that had uh, Mikey Newman on it playing Dwarves, uh, yeah. Craig Johnson playing Beast Herds, uh, Warren Brewster playing Sorry, Ancients, and who have I forgotten? Tanker? Adam Jones? Oh, Tanker, yeah, sorry, Tanker, yeah. Tanker um, uh, was playing his Ogres. So again, I think this was potentially our best pairings. This was something, <laughs> well, across the, across the weekend, we paired yeah. very, very well. We just yeah. played dog shit. I think that was okay. the main issue. So, in theory, we did well. In practice, yeah, we did poorly. I know, but it's a game of two halves, eh? So, basically... Very well, and thought, right, my work here is done. Very well. <laughs> so, at ETC, I, I expect to do my, you know, the, the vice-captain's part very well. Yeah. But the actual playing might be difficult. That's a lot. So, uh, in terms of pairings, we got Fraz and Tamiki, which Fraz wanted, because, quote, he would smash him. Spoiler, that doesn't them. happen. <laughs> Craig went into... Who did we get into Craig? Because Michael ended up playing Tanker. 
which was an amber, so that was okay. So green, amber. Um, I played Warren, which was a green for me. And Martin played Craig, which I think was a green for Martin. It was a green or an amber. So okay. I'd never played Warren before, but I'd wanted to play Warren for a while because Warren was at ETC and we were chatting when we were in Zagreb. So this was very cool that I got to play. Warren was not happy about this matchup. <laughs> which was good because he... it meant that the prediction was right <laughs> who was captaining the England Lions team uh, so this was Mikey that was captain right so he just said right fuck you Warren you're getting thrown under the bus so yeah I mean on paper we we paired very very well so we got three greens and an amber mm-hmm. um, so I think I think they did fuck up the pairing on this one okay at least on paper obviously in practice they did not but <laughs> <laughs> uh, on paper they did uh, so my game against Warren, uh, Warren was uh, using Saurians, but the the Alpha Carno, which has been the kind of trademark of Warren over the last year, was not present. Mm. Instead, he had a Slan, uh, lots of little, I think three units of Saurus. Yeah. Um, he had three Stegiosaurs, a Taurosaur with the Engine of the Ancients, two Salamanders and a Spearback. Uh, Did you he have a, a Raphidon Riders as well? Oh yeah, he had a unit of Raphidon Riders and a, a Warlord of cowboy on a raptor cool so basically lots of little units that i can easily scream off and yeah. uh, and reap and stuff like so this is very very green for me so this is a perfect example kids of a very good matchup against a good player where they know that they are in a bad matchup so they will not let you play the game you want to play so warren very quickly realized that this was uh, not an advantageous game for him okay um so he played very defensively he held back, and basically the game was super cagey, and he was going to just try and take small points and contest the objective. He made one mistake in deployment, which basically ensured that I would get a small win, and that was he left one Stigiosaur, a unit of uh, Saurus and a Salamander on one side, and right. um, there was like a building separating them from the rest of the, his battle line. Okay. So turn one, one of my horrors went up, to scream off the salamander mm-hmm. so this was a calculated risk because he couldn't charge me with a stigiosaur the only charge he could get off was the saurus and the, the horror I cast uh, whispers of the veil off nice. on the stigiosaur yep. to reduce his leadership uh, because mm-hmm. he was so so concerned about me sniping his slan scream off the salamander and then the stigiosaur fails its uh, leadership check and runs off the board wow. the saurus pass but now they're now fucked basically yeah. Because they're about to get a shooting heart to the face. So that basically won me the game, that one move. Uh, because then the horror then charged the, the Saurus and killed them. And the rest of the game was us basically just trying to take small points off each other. Because you, that, so, Sorry, just in terms of deployment, was it back and forth or did you just drop for first? It was or? pretty back and forth. Um, like I dropped my dogs early on to try and get a sense of where he was going. But he's got so many units. Yeah. So I ended up dropping quite early. As soon as basically he dropped the the Stigiosaur and the small unit of Saurus. That was you, you knew what you were going to So do. basically that little corner, yeah, I thought that's easy points I can get early on. I'll take that and mm-hmm. see how the game goes. Um, so the rest of the game was super cagey, just try to take small points off each other. Because he said that he was surprised I didn't push more, but I felt I couldn't push because he had so many counter charges lined up. Yeah. And I mean, the Skelly Block is really good in this matchup, but if it gets charged by everything in the world, uh, there's only so much that the Vamp can do. Yeah. So my plan was to basically sit on one objective. It was two pennies, this one. Okay. Um, secure target. Uh, it's just I, I was sitting on one, 
And this was another mistake Warren made. He kind of put the objectives too close together. So, okay. So it meant that I sat and won. And late game, I was going to try and bum rush on it, the, the second one, steal both. But he cottoned on to that and just loaded the second one with set, um, the scoring units. So I never really got that. So yeah, the, there's not really a lot to say on this one. It was a really tactical, really cagey game. Really enjoyable. Uh, really good fun. But um, not a lot actually happened. Warren okay. was Warren was kind of unlucky not to get more points. Like He absolutely should have pyroed off a unit of dogs at one stage, but he left one alive, which I just raised back up. Yeah, he got the one of the horrors down to two wounds, which he just raised back up, because he was basically just trying to pyro me, but he wasn't doing enough damage to take out a unit at a time, which meant that right. I could just heal, and I basically just held all my soft points back, so stuff like the bats and the dogs and the wraiths, and just kept them as too far back for him to magic missile. Okay, and I used the horrors to zone, so he couldn't get in stuff behind. So basically, as soon as I took took those small points early on essentially ensured the small win and everyone else uh, like the other games didn't seem to be going well so i just took the points where i could and didn't yeah. risk anything too too ramble so what was the score in the end uh so that ended 12-8 to me with the objective drawn nice so a nice win there but like i said it was great to play warren and it was a good fun game uh my team on the other hand <laughs> uh had a mixed mixed results so okay. michael the hero doherty got a 10-10 against tanker <laughs> nice. Uh, which is very good. Fraz, I will smash Mikey Newman, Campbell. <laughs> got smashed it's by. Name got, got smashed by Mikey Newman. <laughs> right, okay. And Martin got quite unlucky against Craig. And uh, I think I think Craig cyclopsed his dragon off and stuff like that. Ugh. So uh, I think that was a decent win at Craig. So they capped the shit out of us as well. Okay, so it was really those two games that screwed you over because you've got a draw and a small win otherwise yeah exactly so the, i mean on paper if we'd got if fraz had won and um i'd won although technically my parent was off because i only got a 12 and i should have got at least a 13 according to the greens and stuff but it was just the kind of this is how pairings all go tits up basically because all it yeah. takes is one game to throw you off and then the others have to basically either pull or push mikey's list looks pretty cool two units of six whole guardians yeah, which Fraz assured me that he would just run through. Mm. Hmm. Do Slayers do well against Whole Guardians? Yeah, they, well, they can take great weapons, can't they? So. Oh shit, they got Weapon Master. Yeah. Yeah. I think dice were involved in that game, though, by uh, <laughs> by uh, Fraz's account. Yeah, he's got. Did these shooting turn up? He's got copters, catapult, cannon. Yeah, I think that Fraz just had a bit of a horror show, and Mikey had. Very hot dice. Right. So I think that played in it. Michael getting a 10-10 against Tanker, that's really good. It's very good. So they were playing on the table next to me, and I have got a lot of time for Tanker, and uh, Tanker was like, yeah, you got that. <laughs> he earned it. Because basically it came down to, there was a big combat in their, their game where something flank charged, because Tanker thought that you couldn't issue challenges if you were charging the flank or something like that. Right. But... So this was a flank charge into Michael's big night bus, which has like all these characters in it, including like yeah. the Sonstall. So the, the, I think the, the Sonstall guy did something quite drastic that turned the, the tide, basically, okay. and, and held them. So that's why it was a 10-10. Um, it's quite a cool list he's got. Yeah, it's very cool. So that's like cla- war, war. classic tanker Genius list. Tasker. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. yeah, so they kept the shit out of us, but... Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that makes it sound worse than it actually was, though. 
Again, oh, yeah, that's yeah. all you need, though, right? It's, you just need two good, strong performances, and then that's you won the round. Yeah, essentially, yeah. But it was good fun. Uh, it was cool to play Warren because I hadn't played one before. Yep. Um, and then we had to endure dinner, where um, the other Wildland team were actually very gentlemanly about it, admittedly. Well, yeah. you were driving some of them home, right? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Nick and Monroe knew where their bread was buttered. Like. <laughs> You're getting left in Carlisle if you don't shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we went out for dinner and then had some drinks. Uh, Nick and Faz went out after it. Which, oh really? Um, yeah, which I think both of them regretted the next morning. Well, God, Nick, that's, I think that's an after show. We should we should get them on. And <laughs> <what happened. laughs> I think Nick regretted it. I think Faz was probably still drunk in the morning. Yeah, probably just didn't stop. Yeah, probably. So yeah, that was a good day one. Going into day two, we got paired against Blunt Force Trauma. Cool. Which had Matthew Pell with his Warriors. Uh, Sean Hughes with Vermiswarm, Daniel Winter with uh, Ogre Cans, and Adam Lake with Beast Hertz. Cool. So before I go any further, I owe Adam multiple shout-outs. Because Adam was one of the unfortunate people that uh, had to endure me talking to them while I was absolutely pished in uh, Zagreb. And uh, I promised him multiple shout-outs in this drunken state and then forgot about them. So I promised, okay. uh, I promised Adam that I would tell one story in particular of just how unlucky Adam is. He played against, he was, he was using Infernal Dwarves, ETC. He was playing against yeah. uh, Undying Dynasty list, which had Double Catapult and Divination. Right. And two turns of, uh, <laughs> two turns of the UD player, um, he took out two units of Torque Anointed and, uh, Kadim Titan. What? So he just rolled out the box for, uh, I think it was Fate's Judgment, uh, is it Fate's Judgment? That's one of them. Yeah. Strike, so that just took off a, a Kadim Titan, and then it got like max hits on the uh, the catapults, which just took out the Torox and stuff like. That. <laughs> Adam was telling me about this in Zagreb, and I was just like, "Fucking hell, so unlucky." And he had a couple games like that. He played against an Empire list where everything went tits up, turn six, and he lost big after whilst being in a very commanding position. So parents for this one. Matthew uh, Matthew Pell was the captain, and Matthew told Fraz that he would play any of us a sit from that vampire guy, aka me, <laughs> <laughs> because I love me some warriors. <laughs> the hate for the BC is strong. Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> um, so parents for this one, um, Matthew played uh, Michael, which okay. was which was a green for us. Sean played Fraz, which was an amber. But basically, Sean's list was really bad for mine because he had Abominations and Vermin Hulks. And it was really bad yeah. for, I think, uh, Martins as well on paper. So it was good to kind of get that in an amber rather than giving them the green. Mm-hmm. Daniel with the Ogres played Martin, which was an amber. And then I got into Adam, which was... I, I'd said an amber, but it was probably... It probably was a green on reflection. So I played Adam before. Adam's a really nice guy. Obviously, I know him from ETC as well. He was using Beast Hurts. And he has yeah. this really nicely painted brand new Beast Herd army, which has shitloads of centaurs. All so, the centaurs in the world. Oh, it's, um, it's quite similar to Craig's idea for the Beast Herd. So he's got one, two, three, four centaur chieftains. He's got a soothsayer, a bunker for the soothsayer, two units of ambush and wild horns, two units of ambush and longhorns. He's got a unit of 14 centaurs, two units of 8 centaurs, and gargoyles. So super aggressive, super fast. He was kind of saying that if his idea was most people would corner against it. 
mm-hmm. and basically the centaurs bum rush up, and then the ambushers come out from the side and basically just overwhelms overwhelms them. I kind of thought that that's what would happen. So Adam yep. said that he was only going to ambush his uh, infantry, so he was keeping the centaurs on. And basically, Adam made one mistake in deployment, which cost them the game. So I had my uh, my horrors, and he deployed his centaurs on the line. And this was spoils the war as well, so it's not a particularly good scenario for me. So basically, I yeah. just decided that I need to rush, I need to take off at least two units of centaurs early on, uh, dominate the middle of the board, and basically be able to fight the, the infantry as they come on. So he, he deployed one unit of centaurs on the line, and then he had his big unit with his general and his BSB in the middle, and then the other centaurs on the, the far flank. So I put the Varkalak on one flank to basically play ring around the Rosies with one unit of centaurs, because mm-hmm. uh, there was a building in the middle which I just intended to run around. I sent the dogs up to chaff the big block. I chaffed the, the other block of centaurs to ensure that if the horrors didn't kill them all, that at least he couldn't do anything with them. And basically I took that centaur unit off turn one. He had one centaur chief in that unit, which had one wound left, who then <laughs> gloriously charged against the horror and got punked. <laughs> and then Adam realised that this was not going to be a fun morning for him. <laughs> and uh, he basically quickly realised that this was going to go tits up very quickly now, because I could just keep chaffing that big block of centaurs and scream the shit out of them. Yeah. And... We played until the, I think it was turn three we played, and he was like, look, you've, you've got this, cause I was just about to take off his big block, and it was just gonna be a matter of time before I got his wizard in his w- wizard bunker. So he was <laughs> like, look, everything that ambushes, I'm gonna ambush in the opposite corner from you, so you don't get the points. I'm gonna run that unit of centaurs as far away from you as possible, but you're gonna get everything else. So, it, he just called it there, cause he was like, this is, this is gonna go tits up very quickly. So we just carried up there. So he got one, uh, both units of dogs. Actually, I think he, yeah, he got both units of dogs. But that was it. And then I took off most of his army, unfortunately. Trust. Uh, so it was a nineteen-one to me. But literally, it was that one mistake in deployment that cost them the game. Because although like he's very sensitive to the the, the, the shrieking horrors on my snipes, because he doesn't have much in the way of saves, it's still like super mobile for me to deal with. Yeah. Especially if he gets one centaur blocking at the front and one in the flank at the scaly block and if the centaurs get into the horrors they should kill them just because of the amount of strength five attacks so yeah it's not a, it's not a super matchup for me he's just quite weak to the stuff I'm good at yeah it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like facing up against warriors but worse because they've got no saves yeah <laughs> yeah and even like his characters didn't have any special saves my snipes have the potential just to kill characters so yeah, that was that was pretty brutal. Um, it's it's when you lose a game that quickly, it just totally demoralizes you. Like first two turns, first three turns, you're like, oh, the game's over. Yeah, I think I that's think, what it. He was just he was kind of just annoyed at himself for making the mistake. Yeah. At that point, you're just ready for like, stopping because you know you've lost. So you may as well just like yeah. chill out, a beer, and just enjoy. Well, that's basically what we did. We just kind of yeah. we we told up there. We just sat and chatted for a wee while. Um, and then we both kind of kept an eye on the other games and stuff. So, so how did the team do? So we, I think we actually capped them this round. So <laughs> nice. Michael lost small to Matthew. Yeah. Fraz won big against Sean, which was really good. Nice. Um, and then Martin lost small against Daniel. I think. 
Okay, so you've already given away many points while... So, yeah, you know, exactly, uh, yeah. The lines did to you guys, you've basically just done it to these guys. Yeah, exactly. Michael seems so, to be having a pretty good tournament, not exactly, really giving away yeah. many points. Well, this was it, and this was something that um, I spoke to Michael about. Like, it, it can sometimes feel, especially in a team tournament, if you're not winning, it's not going well. Mm-hmm. But it's not giving away lots of points. And to be fair, like Michael wasn't getting a lot of great matchups. Ironically, that was I think maybe only one of the two greens he got across right, the weekend. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't giving away lots of points, which is the important thing. Yeah, I mean, unless you're into something that's got like super good high AP. Yeah. Like Empire Cav, it's that one-up save. Yeah, it's exactly. So it's so resistant. So yeah, so unfortunately that went tits up on on Adam, but. The, the Blunt Force trauma boys were all lovely guys. Pleasure to play. Where did they play out of? I think it was a bit of a ragtag team. I'm not sure where okay. um, Matthew, Sean and Daniel are from. But Adam, he's kind of from the Birmingham area. I think he's from Wolverhampton, actually, he said. Okay. Um, but Adam was kind of just looking for a team because yeah. uh, all the other Welsh ETC boys had already found teams. So he was kind of left looking for a, a team and I think they were looking for an extra player. So okay. that's how he ended up in there. But... So yeah, big shout out to Adam. Unfortunately, things just didn't go his way, but I'm sure that he'll he'll repay the favour next time. <laughs> so that kind of makes up for round three. Yeah, yeah. So that basically into round five. cancels that out. So round five, we got drawn against the Dudley boys. Oh, right, okay. So after winning that round, we're the spirits are up again. We're feeling good. We reckon that we're we're far enough down the table that we should probably avoid the big hitters. Yeah. So probably play another kind of mid-table team, get a decent result there, potentially finish higher than the other boys. This did not happen. (laughs) (laughs) Enter the Dudley Boys. Enter Dudley Boys stage right. Uh, So the Dudley Boys included Sam Freestone, uh, who was playing Empire, Jordan Blaine, who had the uh, new Vampire Counts Army, sorry, Vampire Covenant, uh, Jack Chapman, who was using Vermin Swarm, and uh, Kieran Show, who was using Warriors. Mm-hmm. This is not good for us. <laughs> this was possibly the one team that we needed to avoid all tournament. Uh, really our matchups were. Many oh, honestly, it looked like a red light district on our spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. Not the good kind. Not the good kind. The, the very bad. Gonorrhea type. This mm. was this is the shit that's going on in our spreadsheet. To <laughs> to be fair, they absolutely knew it was bad. Uh, so like, right, okay. During the parent process, they could see the anguish on my face. <laughs> Particularly Jack's list, and to a lesser extent, Sam's list are just horrendous matchups for me. I mean, Jack's list has got all the tools in the world to kill shrieking horrors. Sam's got double cannon and uh, a dragon that can fly about and strike before the horrors and just kill them. So it's, it's really not good. Pairings for this one. Yeah. We kind of just accepted that they were going to go tits up. So I took the bus to the face and got Jack yeah. to play against. Did you drop yourself first? Uh, no, we put Martin first because actually dropping first isn't technically going under the bus because you can choose. Yeah. So I, th- I think there's a bit more flexibility in that than people give credit. So we, we put Martin into... Oh no, sorry, did we put Fraz down first? Yes, we did, sorry, we put Fraz down first. Um, so we got Fraz into the Warriors list. Okay. Because that's basically a smash-up. And we... Fraz was not optimistic about this matchup, but I, I bet love, it was. Before we started this podcast, we had a conversation about you saying that <laughs> Fraz is really hating 
yeah, against Warriors. And how many times has he played them? Three times. <laughs> I'm convinced it's a green, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, this weekend was basically Fraz telling me that he doesn't want to play Warriors and me putting him into Warrior matches. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we put Fraz into the Warriors. I took Jack. Or sorry, they paired Jack into me. I did not want to play Jack, right, but right. that happened. Jordan played Martin, and Sam played Michael in an Empire mirror match. So, on paper, the mirror match is going to be an amber because realistically, Sam shouldn't be able to do much to shouldn't be able to do much to Michael. Jordan against Martin is quite swingy. Probably Jordan's got the edge there, but Martin's can kind of hide stuff and take points where he can. So it's, Martin was not happy about playing vampires, but it's probably a better matchup than we gave credit for actually going into the, the round. Yeah. Uh, me playing Jack is a fucking train wreck. <laughs> and uh, Kieran playing Fraz is just a smash up and it's basically going to be who's smashier. So that could go either way, either, uh, either way. So me playing against Jack, this was highly amusing to Jack and Sam, who thought this was the funniest thing ever that I was having to play the worst matchup on the face of the planet. <laughs> uh, so Sam played for Wales at ETC. Uh, Jack played for Wales. Um, I, I know all. I know all the boys in that team from playing uh, the English tournaments before. So, having realised that I was going to get my ass handed to me, uh, I kind of just embraced the, the shitstorm and yeah. just tried to take it on the chin. So it was like it. Jack actually summed it up brilliantly. He said that it's actually comical how badly this, the odds are stacked against you. <laughs> And I accepted that with a smile. <laughs> so we obviously weren't going to win the, the event. Um, the rest of the matchups were pretty bad. Or at least the, I was thinking that they were pretty bad in terms of likely outcomes. So instead of just sitting in a corner and letting Jack take me off, uh, I tried to play a bit risky and push him. Mm-hmm. So I dropped for first quite early on. Because I was trying to get him to think that I was going to go in one corner and go in the other. Okay. And then it was breakthrough the secondary, so maybe I thought I'd sneak through some scoring units and contest the secondary and maybe lose uh, smaller rather than bigger. But I had to drop early on because he's just got so much. Like He has the little rat units, the dreadmills and shit like that. So it, I wasn't going to out-deploy him. So I dropped everything for first turn and I basically just decided that I was going to go balls out. And if it worked, it would have been great. If it didn't work, I figured that it wasn't any worse than sitting and getting shot off. Yeah. So Jack's list was uh, Vermin Demon. He's got uh, a BS, just a little shit rat with a flag for his BSB. He's got the Pendulum with the Patriarch on it. 34 Brotherhood, uh, 38 Vermin Guard, 4 Vermin Hulks with Rotary Gun, 2 units of Giant Rats, 4 Giseos, Lightning Cannon, Dreadmill, Dreadmill. So this is not good for the horrors. He had deployed one of his dreadmills on one side on the line and the other one very close to it. Okay. And he had a couple of units nearby, so I figured that I'm going to try and alpha strike with the horrors. I'll try and scream off both the dreadmills, maybe cause a panic check and basically take it from there. Yeah. The way he deployed, he had his pendulum kind of center and in the center of the table and the demon beside it and everything was kind of pushed over to the right hand side of the table okay so i moved up the horrors and i intentionally put one horror kind of middle one to scream off the dreadmill and to offer him the chance to charge the demon into the the horror 
Yeah. And the thought that if he takes the charge, he'll kill the horror, and I can counter charge with a scaly block and try and res the demon to death. So I chaffed the uh, the, okay. pen- the pendulum unit with the unit dogs, chaffed the, the vermin guard unit with the other dogs, so overall very safe turn one. I scream off both of the dreadmills, which is good. He passes nice. the the panic checks, which he would, the, the the demons like discipline nine eighteen inch bubbles, so it's, yeah. it wasn't too surprising. His turn one, he takes the charge of the demon. He goes into the horror. the The pendulum goes through the dogs. The vermin guard goes through the other dogs, uh, which is all fine. Cause one horror has positioned itself like behind a hill. You mm-hmm. can't see that with one cannon, and the other horrors in combat. A lot of his shooting can't actually do much, which is fantastic. Nice. All according to plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd sent the Varkalak around into his backfield to threaten his uh, lightning cannon and uh, the Gisales. Yep. So the the Vermin Hawks turned around and shot at the, the Varkalak with the rotary gun, did a wound, which was pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. That's all going according to plan. This is all very good. The icing on the cake is that the Vermin Demon fails to kill the Shrieking Horror. I'm yep. thinking... This is mwah, muy bien, <laughs> incredible. I've just salvaged this shit show of a match and it's potentially a win here. So the the skelly block charges into the vermin demon. Make it. They make it, which is a nice change after <laughs> some of the other games. So this is this is beautiful. Everything's working. I then sit as we get into combat. I sit and I work out the combat res, and I'm I'm speaking aloud, so I'm saying to Jack, I'm like, right, so if I challenge with my Skelly champion, he'd he'd reformed the the demon to face the Skelly block, so the the horror was now in the the demon's flank. Yeah. So I had like charge banner BSB five ranks on the Skelly block as a legion banner, and I had the uh, the flank. So we worked out that he was going to lose by four. So I, I'd like this took like two minutes of me talking out loud and Jack agreeing and, and going along with it. And I said, right, so I'll challenge for the scaly champion. And he says, no, I'll decline. And I was like, so you're not going to attack? And he said, no, I've got um, callous, which means I can't accept the, I can choose to decline the, the rule. And uh, I think my face crumpled. <laughs> I, was, I was, oh, Fuck, I've absolutely cocked this up. I asked him three times. I was like, are you sure he's got that? And he was like, yeah, he's got Callus. That's the rule they give him that. And I looked it up and um, I looked up the demon's profile and it had Callus. And I was like, shit, I've made a massive cock up here. Uh, this has just meant that this this whole stratum of uh, me trying to get points here is just going to fucking explode my face. Uh, so it then meant that he could assign tax into the, the vampire. And over two rounds of combat, I did kill the demon, but he ended up killing the vampire. Which meant that the horror, which was now broken free from combat and could have gone off and threatened stuff, was now dead. Yeah. Um, the other horror, horror crumpled terribly and died. And basically the army just disintegrated around me. Um, he managed to catch the, the skelly block in the end with the pendulum unit and wipe that out. So at the end of the game I had uh, my two necromancers and the wraith unit. I think that was it. Because the Varkalak had taken a lightning cannon to the face. So that was that was all I had left of the army. Yeah. Um, so he obviously got objective. Uh, so it was a nineteen-one to Jack. I later found out that the demon doesn't have that rule, <laughs> and that it would have had to accept the, the challenge. I've messaged yeah. I messaged Jack, and he one hundred percent fair play to Jack. He put his hand up, and he was like, "That is a like a major cock up to me. Uh, that was one hundred percent my fault." And his words, right? I got my phone. 
because I'm never going to get this opportunity to shame Jack again. So I figured that I might as well go all in. So his words were, we will call it 1-0 to you between us for now, though. I'll accept that. That's good. So yeah, I've got the moral high ground, but uh, <laughs> you got the result. Um, yeah, I mean, th- that was just uh, just a genuine mistake from Jack, but shit happens. My game against Jack was probably my favourite of the, the event. I was very lucky that I got five great games, but that game against Jack was just... Because I, I genuinely felt that I could get something out of nothing there. Yeah. And uh, he did not expect me to push. The horrors did really well, taking out the the dreadmills. It was just a really tense game. After like going into the matchup, thinking I'm going to get absolutely pumped here. Yeah. Uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable. Jack was great to play against. It was just that that one rules cock up at the end, but you know, it was funny because I didn't even realise until we were driving up the road, and I was telling um so Monroe, Nick, and Martin were in my car driving back up the road, and I was telling the story, and Monroe was like, "The demon doesn't have that rule." I think uh, they heard my screams in Manchester when we were driving back up the road, but these things happen. No big deal. Just a little life lesson to everyone out there. Always uh, actually check rules. Because as much as it was a cock-up, like I 100% should have checked the rule myself. I was just angry at myself for not actually going and checking it. I think in the heat in the moment, you're conscious you're playing to time. If someone's adamant that you know they've got the rule right, it's kind of hard not to take them at their word sometimes. It's kind of like what we were saying earlier about the fearless fuck-up in my game. I could have fled, but I didn't think I could. Yeah. Because that was just, I wasn't prepared to think that that was wrong. I figured, ah, oh, that sounds like that's going to fuck me over. That's probably the rule. So yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> to come close to actually getting a good result out of a potentially bad matchup and it not going your way because you know you got a, a rules error, to say that that was still like your most enjoyable game, that's yeah. saying something. Yeah, it was. No, it was really good fun. Jack was really fun to play against. I'll just have to smash him next time, basically. It's just something to look forward to next time you play. Exactly. I can't, like, I literally it. can't play him now because I have such a cushy position on the moral high ground that to risk that would not be worth any result I could potentially get. All so the 20s in the world aren't worth aren't it. Aren't worth it. No, I have this till, literally to the end of time, I have this over Jack now. I'm quite happy <laughs> with this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally fine. It's all good in the hood. Shit happens. So, that was the round five? That was round five. So, so how did you think the team did? I think overall we did pretty well. Like, um, I think we paired pretty well. I've probably not conveyed that very yep. articulately over the course of this, but I think that we, we paired well. The guys all did well. Fraz had a good tournament, getting good results. Michael and Martin also played very well. I think we played well as a team, which is probably the best thing, actually, to come yep. out of this, is that you know everyone kind of bought into the team mentality and no one was looking at individual results. It was all kind of how that figures into the team. Unfortunately, the other Wilding team beat us. Not by much, though, right? It was like four points. I think it was five. Five on the uncapped one. Yeah, sorry, five on the capped so, scores. So over the course of um, a five-round event, that's 20 games, that's nothing. Yeah, but actually, in terms of uncapped, they they were 22 points ahead of us. So. Well, that's like a, a point a game per player. Yeah. It's not huge. You think about it yeah. in that context, it's 20 games. Yeah. So basically, it's Jack's fault, because if I'd managed to get a few more points out of that game, and we, we might beat them. It's cushy up That's here in the moral, moral high ground. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it was a, a good event all in, though? Yeah, everyone enjoyed themselves. Um, Slatch, always, Slatch and Nick always do a good job of these things. Um, it was really good to see all the guys that you don't get to see very often. So I was talking to our number one fan and well-known podcast slot, 
Tommy Tucker. Oh, who was he playing with? He was playing with Pigmar. So he was playing with Jack Austin. Uh, obviously, so Jack. You know, all the other ETC guys were there. So it was. How did it was Pigmar really cool. do? Um, I think Pickmark came below us. Yeah, they did. Sad times. Yeah. But yeah, no. Pretty was, good field though, right? A lot of good players there. There was, yeah, but it was kind of like a nice kind of relaxed atmosphere for the most part because a lot of the guys were just wanting to kind of unwind after ETC. I think it was generally quite a casual feel. The man, the myth, the legend that is Nav was there, giving it all special licks with his new Saurian army. So that was cool. And uh, like John Turner was there, so that was cool seeing John... Fantasy war gaming oh, guys nice. were good, so yeah, no, it was it was really good event, really good fun. Uh, really proud of the team. I think they played very well, especially considering we got you know that was we were blooding a lot of new players there, less That's experienced team. players. So yeah, no, it was it was it was really really good, really good fun, and I was lucky enough to get five great games in. So very nice weekend. So I'm very conscious that we've we've talked for a long time now. Uh, this is a true old school episode of three hours long. <laughs> um, <laughs> Very very quickly, we'll do overall thoughts and stuff. Uh, so sorry, so Midlands won by the England Roses, who came first. Um, England Lions came second, and uh, 50% willpower, 25% tough, and the rest, Dan, came third, which is the best team name ever. But yeah, it was a super event. So, concluding thoughts, how do you feel about your list now? You've had time to reflect and things like that. It was kind of designed specifically for that tournament, to compete in those very specific scenarios, and I think... From that perspective, it's a good list. I don't feel that for a Warriors list, it's got that many things in it that you should be scared about. I mean, the Wretched Ones against the Right Thing are bananas. They're really fucking good. But they're they're quite an extreme unit, so there's a lot of stuff out there that they're not going to do anything against. Like, if you've got a half-decent armor save, yeah, you know, yeah. that's going to negate so much of their damage straight off. The Chosen are, are excellent, but if they don't kill what they hit, turn one, they aren't as great because they're losing the buffs in the second round and they need that high agility to really make sure that they, they kill what they hit. Chosen Knights are about the most cost effective thing in the book. However, compared to a lot of stuff, I don't really rate them on one-on-one fights. Yeah, I don't I think they're that either. good. Unfortunately, 2.04 or whatever the fuck it was called, um, <laughs> that was your that was your default choice. Because so much of the book was overcosted, it wasn't worth taking other things. You just you just max out in chosen knights. Now with the book change, that might that might not be the case, but certainly uh, building the list for those events, it's that's kind of what you have to take. Looking through some of the warriors lists that were at that Midlands event, I don't I think it might have been Kieran's list, into the boys. Yeah, his list is like the kind of default warriors list just before the update came. Well, I think his list was. Uh, Basically, tankers list from ETC, wasn't it? There's the knights, chariots, warrior, big warrior, yeah. block, great weapons, exalted herald, and an adept. And that's it. That's, it's the cookie cutter warriors list. So I think the list itself is fine. In the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's that world breaking. It, it probably tailors a little bit more to my style. Like I like having different things. I don't really like having multiple units of the same thing. I find it too boring. And if you come up against a match where it's a hard counter. You've got no tools to try and offset a heavy loss. You've got, you know, you don't have that Swiss army knife approach that a lot of the lists I like to bring have. They have different units for different things. So I think the list is fine. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna turn any heads. But I think it was okay for the event. I I wouldn't necessarily 
choose to play it for a casual game down the club. Okay. And there are things in the list that I don't think I know how to use properly yet. I don't think I know how to use the barb cap effectively. But beyond that, it's okay. It's kind of dealing with a bad situation as best as possible. The bad situation being the Warriors book. That edition was just fucking shit. Yeah. We'll see what the update brings in terms of new builds and how effective it becomes. But what about you? I still really like my list. I think it, it works really well. It's got a nice balance to it. There's not really any redundancy in the list, I don't feel. I think everything mm-hmm. has its place. It can kind of go up against anything. Obviously, it's, it works particularly well against low leadership or highly armoured armies, but overall, I think yeah. it can kind of flex its muscle against most things. It's good fun to play. I've discovered that I fucking love chaff. Chaff is my new favourite thing. You don't really get much opportunity yeah. in Empire to really make full use of chaff, but you get plenty of opportunities with, what, uh, with vamps. I think whether you regard the VC book as being OP or not, I think it's safe to say that it's the perception is that it is the strongest book, whether it is or not. Yeah. So, But I think one of the best strengths it's got is its chaff. Yeah, 100%. Because it's cheap, it can be regrown. Things like dogs and things, you know, even if they don't crumble to oblivion, they're, they're going to hold. Yeah. It does a lot of things really well. Flying chaff is fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the ability yeah. to Great hide chaff chaff behind something. Amazing, yeah. When you need it. Yeah, we were talking about, um, like, MVPs and LVPs on the way back up of our lists. Okay. And I genuinely think the MVP of my, MVPs of my lists were my uh, dogs, the two units of direwolves. They're so good. Like, the direwolves with the champions can pin single characters. They're so fast that they can get in behind stuff and threaten soft, juicy things. Uh, or equally, you can just throw them away as chaff because they're only 100 and, you know, 133 points, I think, with the champion. They're unbelievable value for what they are. I would I think definitely. This is what makes the difference in armies that compete in close combat is your ability to win the chaff war, to dictate combats. It makes such a difference. It really does. I think that the Vampire book is definitely one of the stronger, I will say. I do not think it's OP. I do think it's, <laughs> I do think it's very good, but I do not think it's OP. That's the party line, though, right? That is the party line. The Vampire Overlords <laughs> have said so, and so it must be true. <laughs> I think the UD book is fucking ridiculous. People should go read that book. <laughs> no, I, I think that the, the Vampire is obviously in a very good place just now. Um, but as you can see from my scores, as soon as you lose your general, it all goes tits up. <laughs> yeah. Which does balance the equation somewhat, I feel. But. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would say that for the game, every army has notable weaknesses that can be exploited. Yeah. No matter how, where they compete strongly in a the game, there's always something there that everyone's got something to complain about in their book, which instantly makes it a level playing field. Yeah. I mean, I've lost four, five games with the VC so far. Um, yeah, out of what, Jaime? Quite a lot. Because, yeah. I mean, if you had played six games, then that would sound really bad, but yeah. you probably played the, like. The, the, win, the win ratio is very good right now. <laughs> yeah. But in, all, in those games, I've lost three of them 19 1. Because shit just right. goes sideways quick. Yeah. I think not to do yourself a, dis, a disservice, but I would say because VCR are a relatively new army in our group. I think it's, it's taken a while for the rest of us to work. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's definitely a factor. Yeah, yeah. So, not that you're not using it well, because you're still getting good results. But I think that's that is probably has tarnished our opinion a little bit of the book. 
Fair. Fair. Yeah, fucking special saves. <laughs> Still better about them raids, eh? <laughs> oh, dude, I'm never going to let that down. Fucking hell. Yeah, no, it's but um, no, that's cool. No, I, I would, I would agree with you. There's, there's, there are really fucking strong. Yeah, and I think that should be the benchmark for all the books. I think that's it. They're because the they're not one-dimensional. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're fun. They're fluffy with the the bloodlines, but they're very, very cost-effective and good. And I think a lot of books could learn a lot from the the vampire book. But obviously, I'm incredibly biased. So. We might, I guess we'll see. Demon yeah. Book shouldn't take much longer to come out. So yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. That'll we'll be see what's going on with that. That'll be a good litmus test to see the direction that they're taking the new books. I think it's hard to put the Warrior book in context because not only is it the first book, but it's one of the books they've said is going to have the most changes. Yeah. Similar to the Demons, whereas the other books are a little bit safer um, IP-wise. So potentially there's less need to change those books as much, but I've got a sneaking suspicion that that won't be the case. I think there will still be substantial changes elsewhere. That won't necessarily be from a background perspective. It will be from an in-game perspective. Yeah. Just from what people have said about rules that armies currently have. Yeah. Because I would say, as it stands right now, Warriors are definitely the weakest book. One of the big handicaps the book has had has been cost. Yeah. Um, which is one of the reasons why I don't run a lot of characters. But we'll maybe get into the Warriors book in another episode, now that the, there's been an update. Yeah, so just before wrapping up, um, we're, we're going to try and do... We'll try and do it before Christmas, but most likely it's going to be the new year. Once we've both had time to get a few yeah, games under the new probably. edition, is, uh, we'll, we're going to do a review of the Warriors book, which has been a long time coming. And Paul has been yeah, saving up all his pent-up rage. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah well, we'll fun. see. I mean, it's probably a good thing, though, because we've left it. Because if we had done it, like, three months ago, it would have just been a rant fest. Some of the shit has been removed, thankfully. Yeah. So, we'll spend the Christmas getting some practice games in, uh, avoiding family commitments and all that kind of thing. Looking forward to it. So, yeah. And you're obviously getting married in a couple of weeks' time. So, on behalf of Bad Get Radio... Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Congratulations. On behalf of Mad Get Radio. Uh, on behalf of, of, of the 50% of Mad Get Radio that I have, <laughs> congratulations to the 50% that you have. Yeah. <laughs> so before we, we wrap up, I do have one mention that I need to make or Ed will shout at me. The Scottish Championships have been announced. Uh, they will be on the 23rd and 24th of March. Sign-ups are now available on uh, the forum. So it's a, obviously a two-day out-the-book competition which will be adding to the UK rankings and things like that. So please do come along. Last year was an absolute blast. Obviously, it's a more formal kind of tournament, but as jabronis are all playing at it, so it can only be so formal. And yeah, it'll be a good laugh. Get some good games in, and Mad Get Radio will be doing the draw, which will be exciting. So we'll do the, the first round draw and the predictions and things like that again. And that'll all be coming in the springtime. But for now... Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so on Twitter at Scottish Ninth Age. You can send us an email uh, at scottishwildlings at gmail.com. You can grab us on the forums. Paul is Space Goblin. I am Lost Cause. And we will catch you on the next one. Take it easy. We'll see you next time. See ya. <laughs>